Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com A new study by commercial real estate company JLL suggests that 30% of Americans will be working from flexible spaces in the next decade. Libraries, home offices, co-working spaces like WeWork. Stacey Vanek-Smith and Cardiff Garcia, co-host of The Indicator from Planet Money, went to a WeWork in Manhattan to report on this future of work. Scott Homa is the director of office research at JLL, and he says the concept of co-working spaces is not new. It's been around for decades, but the business has never seen anything remotely on the scale of WeWork. WeWork is the largest private sector occupier of real estate in New York, Washington, D.C., London, soon to be San Francisco. Really? Um, Yeah. WeWork doubled in size in 2017 and again in 2018. Now, that kind of growth has not come cheap. WeWork has been burning through cash and venture capital to expand at that pace. It spent nearly $2.5 billion last year on leases and renovations and other expenses. It is expected to spend $4 billion this year. And WeWork wants to keep up that crazy pace. So in order to do that, it is planning to go public later this year. Critics say this spending is reckless and WeWork is getting way ahead of itself. Here's where things can kind of sometimes get tricky with startups. There's like venture capital fueled growth and like actual customers. I mean, are there a lot of actual customers? Absolutely. I mean, their top line revenue growth really speaks for itself. It's been doubling annually on a consistent basis for the last couple of years. So it, it really is staggering growth. Scott says this growth has come from a couple of places. WeWork offices are sleekly designed. They project hipness. And that has really been appealing to the booming startup economy. Right. Like if you want to start a company, but you don't want to sign a nine-year commercial lease and spend thousands of dollars on desks and couches and a cleaning crew and coffee makers and receptionists and Wi-Fi installation, 
you can just rent an office inside of WeWork, where all of that is taken care of. According to the website for the WeWork that we visited in New York City, individual offices cost $1,100 a month, more if you want a window. And if you can't afford a whole office, you can just pay to use the loungy common room area for $500 a month, $550 if you want your mail sent there. And if you want to rent out a conference room, change out your furniture, all of that costs extra. Now, prices are much lower in other cities, but it's always pretty pricey. In fact, WeWork says it makes a 30% profit on the spaces it leases out. It says it can charge these prices because they are still much lower than the cost of opening an office. And even a lot of big wealthy companies seem to agree. It's really unclear whether WeWork's aggressive spending and its expansion will pay off, how big it can get after it goes public, or if it's just overshooting with all the global growth and spending and someday will just implode. But even if it does implode, another co-working giant will probably just rise up in its place. If our indicator is correct, in 10 years, nearly a third of us will be here at long communal tables under hip neon slogans, drinking free cold brews and trying to use our $300 noise canceling headphones to filter out all the chatter and the piano. Yeah, at the work we checked out, there was a piano. <laughs> Stacey Vanek-Smith. Cardiff Garcia, NPR News. Black brother. Black brother to hell. Do you suffer from feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from your job, or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to your job, reduced professional efficacy? Well, you may be suffering from burnout. That's right, burnout. The World Health Organization recently changed the definition of burnout in its international classification of diseases. It used to be considered a general form of exhaustion. Now it specifically relates to, quote, chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And while your manager might not pay attention to burnout, it's something Jim Harder is paying close attention to. He's the chief scientist for Gallup's workplace management practice and co-author of the new book, It's the Manager. Jim, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Tanzina. Great to be with you. So let's all start with the definition. Um, Burnout, as we know, is this chronic workplace stress. But what exactly is it? I mean, what are the symptoms of it? Well, I think we have to start with, just as you said, the the symptoms uh, that lead to burnout. I kind of think of myself, I think of burnout um, as a psychologist as the opposite of what uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, the author of Flow, um, would describe as as a flow state. So a flow state in the workplace is where you have the appropriate level of challenge and you match your skills and abilities to that challenge. And you also have the right kind of environment to support you. And I'd argue the right manager. Burnout really is where challenge doesn't match skills and abilities and more specifically due to the kind of environment that you're in as an employee and whether you have a bad manager or not, whether you're in a job where you can utilize your strengths or not. So burnout is going to be due to a lot of different symptoms, but it's really where the challenge of the job isn't matched with the skills and abilities that you have and the supporting environment so that you can get the work done in a productive way. One of the things, I'm I'm curious, I sort of, uh, before we started the segment, I said, I think uh, I am burned out. And I, I wonder if that's partly because of the profession of journalism. Are there certain professions that people are particularly vulnerable to being burned out in? 
I think there's vulnerability in any profession from what I've seen. About a fourth of people that we study say they're very often are always burned out at work. From a generational standpoint, it's a bit higher among millennials, 28% versus 21% in older generations. Uh, But we've seen higher or lower levels. The, The variance really exists within, at a very local level within industries. If you have more continuous connections with customers, or even if it's internal customers, you're less likely to be burnt out. But, so that purpose component is important as well, but that's where the manager comes into play, where the manager can set the tone and help people see how their work connects to something bigger than, than just the everyday grind that we're all used to. But work is supposed to be a grind, right? That's why it's called work. Like, aren't we right. asking for too much when we're saying our managers should care about us and we should have meaning in our jobs? Like, some of us are lucky that we have those things, but are we asking for too much? I don't think so. And, and the reason is work should have challenge. Uh, back to the concept of flow. How do we get in a flow state? We're so absorbed in our work the time passes quickly and we, we go home with more energy than than what we had when we started the day. That's very possible. It's possible through challenge, but challenge has to be aligned with our individual strengths. Uh, as psychologists, we can measure individual strengths, give people feedback on their strengths, help them know areas they, they can improve on, build some trust. But the goal is to build a challenging work environment where the grind is a positive grind, right? It's, it's a, it's, it's a, where someone looks forward to the challenge of work and where it, it, it isn't drudgery, so to speak. So if we assume that work has to be drudgery, I think we're starting in the wrong place. Is the way we talk about burnout today different than it was 50 years ago? I think that's a great point that it's really influenced by everything that exists around us. Right now, work and life are more blended than ever. So people are probably carrying um, into their work situation things that are happening outside of work, and they're carrying their work home through their their iPhone or other device that they use, right? So our work comes with us now. So I think that part of it, we do talk about a bit differently. And uh, we have to know when to shut it off and when to turn it on and what's right for us. And we have to have a manager that appreciates us for who we are. It's what we found, that you've got to have managers who are really gifted at coaching Uh, individual people, giving them the right challenges, setting them up for success, and giving them critical feedback when they need it. But when you build a trust trust environment, you can do that easily. People want critical feedback when you build the right kind of environment. They don't want it when your manager is only an expert on your weaknesses. That's, That's where you get the grind. I'm speaking with Gallup's Jim Harder about burnout in the workplace. Jim, we asked our listeners to tell us their experiences, and I want to play a call from one of them. This is Sarah calling from Lansing, Michigan. I've worked in the animal care business my whole career, and I definitely see burnout in many colleagues. I've always worked really hard to have a great work-home balance, and yet I still have to take mental health days just to get away from it now and then. I think it's the nature of the beast in any caring profession. Jim, is uh, our caller, Sarah, just said she takes a mental health day to deal with it. Is it enough? Yeah, having days where you can separate from work, I think, is important. And certainly having time allotted where, where you can regroup and recharge is important. And to knowing, I think the key is to know what what's right for each individual. So each person has to diagnose that for themselves and have a manager who understands and supports that. Wondering, Jim, also what your thoughts are on, um, we talk about the managers here, and I'm thinking about very high-profile folks, including Ariana Huffington and Alexis Ohanian, who's, um, who've both come out over the past couple of years criticizing the sort of always-on workplace um, and saying that people need more time, they need rest, they need mindfulness. 
But these are also environments that thrive on the opposite of that. In the case of Alexis Ohanian, the, the co-founder of Reddit, that's a technology company. Ariana Huffington uh, founded uh, Huffington Post. So these are industries that don't really allow for that. What do we do when big, powerful, famous people tell us to relax? And we can't. Well, I think there there's some truth to the fact that in many industries, we've got to have more flexibility. That's the most sought after benefit right now. And we need to find creative ways where the same work can get done in a more flexible environment. Um, this relates to you know some of the challenges that have been seen with women in the workplace and why women drop out when they, when they have families. Um, even though men are taking on some more responsibilities in the past, it's still dominantly put on the women's shoulders. And so we need more women in the workplace. And to do that, we've got to build environments that have greater flexibility where they can still achieve high levels. So it, it does kind of rest on how you set up the management structure, what you expect of managers. You know, I would make one other point. You mentioned the role of the manager. And we see in our data, this is really surprising to me, that managers actually have more stress uh, than the people that they manage. So managers may actually be more burnout than the people that they manage. And, and when that's the case, how can you expect them to develop an environment where their employees are stress-free or, or at least have, have less levels of stress and burnout? So there's a lot coming at managers nowadays from you know more remote working where they have to check in with people more often, um, more information coming at them. The, the the job of the manager is more complex than ever before, and so that's why we have to have the right manager training and curriculum in place so that they can continuously learn how to individualize. And when they learn how to individualize, it uh, it makes everything more successful in the organization, not only performance, but also how people perceive their work and whether it's a fulfilling endeavor or not. Jim Harder is a chief scientist at Workplace for Gallup and co-author of the new book, It's the Manager. Jim, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date. Oh, it's the solstice. Completely forgot about that. Uh, Folks who, I guess you don't necessarily have to celebrate. I do know in some places uh, they have... Uh, big holidays and what have you uh, for the solstice. Uh, If you celebrate, participate in any of that, it is the solstice, I guess, the first official day of summer. Uh, I guess you'll have to forgive me. Some of that was probably lost on me because for the first day of summer here in Seattle, the greatest plantation in this part of the world, it was a whopping balmy 67 degrees. And I don't even think it was 67 most of the day. The sun is out now, but it was not like glorious welcome to summer. It was kind of a, you know, nothing to brag about. But it is the solstice. I hope it is a sparkly sunny day wherever you are and you were able to get some vitamin D and some constructive activity in for your Friday. This is neutralizing workplace racism. Uh, Again, it's like we had two programs on neutralizing workplace racism this week. Uh, We had Dr. Joy DeGruy on Wednesday uh, to talk uh, pretty much exclusively about recovering from trauma in the workplace uh, and some of the recommendations uh, she offered. uh, That was just two days ago in the archives. Uh, One thing that I will say that stood out to me as significant from that program, uh, I asked her specifically about 
one of the things that I've heard for years, uh, black people being in workplace situations where they're being mistreated and they don't really have an outlet. They're not able to talk to uh, friends, family. Uh, they attempt to bring these issues up and, and say, you know, hey, I think these white people are practicing racism against me and they'll be rebuffed. And it's, you know, you're just making excuses and it's not racism and you probably did something. And uh, surprisingly, I've, I've heard that from a lot of folks. Uh, and so I asked her, you know, what recommendations does she have? And she was talking about setting up kind of a virtual green book uh, where people can access and get information, share and, and kind of make those networks and even encouraging people to go out and start networks of their own. Uh, in the places where you live, even if it's small, a uh, group of maybe two, three people, uh, black people, non-white people who can get together and exchange views about kind of similar to what we do here, that that could be a way. Uh, but it just for me, it reinforced like, wow, there really are not a lot of resources, which is pretty much been my observation conclusion for some time. There don't seem to be a lot of resources for black people uh, to get help with problems in the workplace, especially if there are problems around racism. There don't seem to be a lot of resources. So I guess I would encourage if anybody, if you have time, energy, feeling like a spectator or looking for things to do, uh, this particular area of people activity, labor, I mean, you could pick any of them, lots of problems. Uh, but I would say labor specifically, there seems to just be a, a huge lack, a void uh, of help. And I get the impression that there are a lot of black people who are having problems on their jobs, uh, specifically related to racism, indirectly related to racism. That's just my general opinion. Lots. Any ideas that you have, if it's writing a book, a vlog, anything, essays, articles, even if you, you know, maybe you don't have a full. But in fact, a book doesn't have to be 500 pages. Uh, Dr. Bobby E. Wright, Psychopathic Racial Personality and Other Essays, I think is like 60 pages. It's really short, but super constructive. I think it's almost uh, on my top 10 list. So that even if you, it's a book, so to speak, uh, it doesn't have to be super long. It could be a few pages. But we should all be thinking uh, of ways to contribute because, wow, lots and lots of black people suffer on their jobs. I'm sure some folks uh, can put a hand up right now participating in this program. The number to dial 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Number again, 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. As I state consistently, this is not a spectator broadcast. If we have any folks who have figured out, hey, this might help with some of those black people who are suffering, this might help solve a few problems, uh, at least a few things that I figured out that are helpful. Please share. Don't be a spectator. In fact, you should be one of the first ones to dial in if you can help solve any of those problems. Certainly, if you are one of those black people who is dealing with some difficulties in the workplace, please dial in. We will make our best effort to offer uh, constructive counter-racist suggestions to help solve problems without creating new problems. Very important caveat. Solving problems without creating 
new problems. As always, if you, for whatever reason, if you're not comfortable or if you're not able to dial in <clears throat> or if you're concerned about you know being recognized, uh, you can email untiljustice at gmail.com and I can read your commentary anonymously if you have either your own situation or if you have uh, suggestions to offer uh, for what some of the folks have shared uh, untiljustice at gmail.com. I can read your commentary on the air and we can give feedback that way. Uh, quickly uh, to some of the segments that we heard, the audio segments. If we have any listeners, if you are participating in those uh, flexible workspaces, uh, I guess where you can rent out an area or office space, maybe it's communal. If anybody is participating in that, please let us know. I am aware that this is becoming more popular. They certainly have that here in the Seattle area with all of the booming tech industries and such. I have not, you know, utilized any of those environments, uh, but I would be curious if anybody has used those spaces. Does that help minimize uh, any of the racist interactions that you would deal with in the uh, typical office environment where you're seeing the same folks, you know, on a daily basis? That's one. Uh, and it does seem like uh, a very elitist, like powerful racist, even concept for that. Like I think uh, a lot of victims would probably not even be afforded the opportunity uh, to have uh, employment where they could take advantage of something like that. But I could be in error. Uh, the second uh, segment uh, about so-called burnout in the workplace, I thought it was significant and most likely an act of white supremacy racism that they uh, repeatedly brought up the traumas of women and it, it should say white women. They're not talking uh, about the, the troubles of a Michelle Obama uh, in the workplace. That is not what they're talking about at all. Um, they're talking about white women. They should just say that, uh, but they can bring up all the, the different stressors that white women have to deal with in the workplace, not the specific stress that black people, males, females, non-white people in general deal with in the workplace. And there are a plenty, even if you get that job, maybe you don't even get the opportunity to get that nice flex place, flex space, uh, because they are accusing you of stealing watermelon. Thomas in New York. Uh, but the, I did even within all of that being traumatized, stressed in the workplace, those mental health days, that is important. And that is something that I didn't even have a concept of taking uh, mental health days, taking a day off from work uh, just to preserve sanity, like I'm not physically ill, but just the stress that I'm under. I'm going to take a day off just to relax, get adequate rest, eat quality food like I didn't even have that. I think it took working with a suspected racist who said she was taking a mental health day off. And I said, what? And she said, oh, yeah, I take mental health. And she even explained. She said that her mother used to tell her to take mental health days off from school. That's where she began the practice of saying, oh, yeah, I'm having a tough one. <sighs> I'm going to uh, sit out today. We'll catch up. Ninth grade can wait. Taking a mental health day. I cannot imagine <laughs> my mother encouraging such a concept. But take time. Take to especially, I've heard from so many victims, we had two people wrote in last week about uh, black employees getting so upset that they came and choked another black coworker. I don't know if mental health day would have solved the problem, but wow, if it's to that point, you definitely need a mental health day. That also can bring up racism, white supremacy. We frequently have had people who've talked about the difficulty in getting uh, a sick day, a vacation day. I would 
not categorize it when you go to get that day as a mental health day. I would write it in as a sick day. Uh, hopefully you have a job where you can take a day off from, you know, having uh, upset stomach or something of that nature. Uh, it, you know, won't be too much of a of a problem. Uh, but I do know absences uh, can be can cause problems uh, for some victims of racism. That is why this problem must be solved immediately. But mental health days store that one. Uh, many folks uh, wrote in with commentary feedback. So there is lots to share. Uh, I'm certainly not encouraging spectators on this one, but wow, there's lots to share. So last week, we had a victim of racism write in. He's in the armed services and at the post office, I believe. And it's a cowbell. I think he's unfortunately in a tragic arrangement. Triple whammy. So he's in the armed services and he was talking about racism coming from his sergeant. Racist remarks, calling him boy, that sort of thing. And I was asking for suggestions. I do not have experience in the armed services. So I asked if any of our listeners have experience and have suggestions for how they would deal with this. I said that, you know, seems like it would be a slightly different situation. These folks are armed, trained killers. Uh, You have that chain of command. There could be violent retaliation. Lots of different things to consider in this kind of unique environment. So uh, a number of listeners did respond uh, who said that they do have military experience. Uh, Even on social media, uh, I'm on Twitter at Until Justice, at Until Justice. I tweeted, I'm not a fan of social justice. I wouldn't be on Twitter at all if I wasn't doing the program. But uh, hey, I'm here. I'll try to use it in a constructive manner. So I asked the question that I just posed from the listener. And we had folks write in constructive commentary. First person, Uh, said, Gus, I think the gentleman who called in, oh, we had a person who called uh, the compensatory call in uh, last week and gave suggestions uh, and saying basically uh, to maybe go one step up the chain of command uh, and to report the incident uh, and to continue to do that. And if it's not resolved, then you go one more step up. Uh, You're not going, you know, to the most powerful person immediately uh, to try to, you know, cause a lot of problems, but just one step up and see if that solves the problem. Uh, and expect retaliation. But if you want to get the problem uh, solved, uh, then you have to have some black self-respect, stand up, not accept, uh, not accepting violent retaliation. But if they're going to say something or be grouchy, that sort of thing, you know, that's par for the course for racism. Uh, so the person wrote in and said, I think the gentleman who called in uh, gave the best suggestion about going up the chain of command, but not too far. So if he needs to pursue more resolutions, he can. He was also right about the backlash he will receive from other racist suspects, likely armed, trained killer racist suspects. At my present job, non-military, I'm working for a company within a company as I make reports over incorrect behavior by racist suspects, the main one who was in the military, MP to be exact. I just sent emails to the owner of the company I'm employed. They try to get me to use the system they have for the main company, but they often go out of their way to let me know I'm not part of the company. This has worked for me at keeping the lead terrorists off me for the moment. Do email in company email. Anyone text you replies with emails. Uh, We had a totally different person uh, write in and said it's the same process as you would use on your job or any place else. You get the policies or the like that work in your favor, preferably the ones that were written by the most powerful people and cannot easily be changed. These are the best kind of policies. 
Uh, yeah, okay. So that was that from social media. Um, we had other people uh, who wrote in uh, with suggestions uh, for the military situation as well. See if I can get all of this at one scoop here. Let's see. Okay. Other person who wrote in military suggestions. Uh, I'm a Navy veteran and the military has become very sensitive to all issues, reports of discomfort. They will most likely remove him from the environment immediately and move him to a desk duty until he's fully processed out with full benefits and compensation. It would be easy to address this if he follows these steps in addition to documentation. We talk about that all the time. Codification words, and he has words in all capital letters, are extremely important in reporting any issue in the military. This I know from firsthand experience. So, number one, go straight to medical and report this as mental and emotional distress. Describe the incident. Every time he reports, make mention that this is causing homicidal and suicidal thoughts. He has that in a highlighted font. And there is no way he can ever perform in military service due to the extreme experience. Extreme is highlighted as well. Number two, go to the chaplain, report the same. I would have never thought of that. Number three, go to legal, report the same. Number four, Consult his own legal outside the military to go through the process with him. It will be lengthy, maybe up to a year. This way he can be uh, he can be sure to receive his compensation for mental distress. As far <laughs> uh, this is, uh, as I said, the same victim who wrote in uh, also works at the post office and is married to a suspected racist. And it seems from his uh, communique that his suspected racist uh, partner also works at the post office. Uh, as far as the post office situation, I suggest he seek legal counsel from a labor employment attorney. Uh, he was asking about a uh, promotion potentially. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, that's the one report and I will get in one more before we get to some of the callers. Uh, let's see. Non-white male, uh, victim of racism, black male, uh, emailing updates on two workplace racism reports. I would like to thank you, uh, uh, Draftomania, Miss Draftomania, uh, Mr. Retired Firefighter, uh, Miss Stacy in the UK, and others for all the feedback and advice. Update number one, uh, Marines. So I did file a complaint with the company's first sergeant on what was said and was told to, and I quote, suck it. I'm going to read this just because it's a direct quote. So there is a profanity in it. Suck it the fuck up. I then pulled out my pocketbook and said, suck it the fuck up. Today's date is Monday, June 17th, 2019 at one or at 10 hundred hours. Then asked, did I get that rice for such? <laughs> A plus, A plus. I have recommended that. I have not uh, heard folks use that, but I am telling you, that is a strategy. And especially if you are a civilian, if you are not working with folks who have, uh, who are trained killers uh, and know how to stab your jugular with a big pen. Oh yeah, 
whip out said pen and just write if they're making racist comments, anything, anything, even at the courthouse when he said, uh, oh, yeah. In fact, these white gals over there, I like them so much. If they committed murder, I would help them with the crime. You can just pull out the pen. White girls so much. If they committed murder, help them. Today is the solstice, June 21. That's that's what you just said. Okay, right on. Write that down. You don't even have to report it. You can put that in a file folder if you whip out your phone. Boom, 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 boom. That's what you said. Okay, save. Boom, put your phone back in the pocket and go right back on about with work. Just that alone. Who is this nigger? What? That alone can have a huge impact and can permanently change racist conduct or if somebody is saying things that are causing a problem. That act alone might be enough to totally stop. Let's see what happened. So he pulls out the pen, writes down and then gets back in the question lane. Did I get that right first, Sergeant? He asked, what are you doing, Corporal? I replied, just taking notes, first Sergeant, because I'm sure now I could be wrong, but I doubt it that the Marine Corps allows this kind of racism to just slide with a smile. Then he asked the captain or lieutenant, he asked if the captain or lieutenant were available. He knocked the pad out of my hand and said, you will pay. Get out. So I figured since he already was pissed like I was, I might as well ask another question. So I asked, will there be a meeting with power first sergeant? He answered with, maybe, maybe not. Get the F out of my office. I tried to pick up my pocketbook. He stated to leave it there. I said, yes, first sergeant, and exited. I would immediately go to get another pen and pad and just write it down again with the date and time and then write down as well uh, that he refused to allow me to retrieve the initial pad and knocked it out of my hand. That would have to be added as well because we could be talking about assault and that would be something else uh, to file as well. Continuing, so I can say this with confidence, I feel a mandatory PT coming on sometime soon. Shaking my head, I hate running. Uh, In my opinion, nothing is happening except me PTing. Good thing I will be away and out soon. P.S. Note to self, they do not like the question line. (laughs) Update number two. Now, this is the situation uh, I was talking about where uh, he, from what was reported last week, he works uh, or did work in the same location with his uh, suspected racist white female partner. And he reported that uh, there was a white man there who was making lewd sex, uh, sexual remarks about his partner. Apparently he knew that they were uh, sexually involved and would make comments to him about that on the job. They got into some sort of argument. Uh, the management, I guess, uh, reprimanded him for yelling at this white man. They moved him to a different location and he wrote in asking, I guess they offered him a promotion. He would move to a different uh, location, but he would be supervised by the white man who moved him and I guess was a part of the white people who chided him for yelling uh, about uh, this white man commenting about his partner. So he was questioning whether or not he should take the promotion. I think the general sentiment was to take it. I know I said take it. I think some other people did as well. I think some other folks did have uh, caveats where they had questions, but there wasn't any additional information as to why he should not take the promotion that he wanted. He had been seeking out this promotion, researching it. He said he had been requesting it. It did come with an increase in pay. So there didn't seem to be any countering reason to not do this. 
update. Uh, my wife did report the supervisor and he was transferred to the main plant with a promotion. I am not surprised. I will stop right here to say if there had never been any sort of verbal uh, incident with this uh, victim and this racist, the same thing that I said last week, his wife could have stopped all of this immediately. The very first time she could have spoke up. Blackmail didn't have to say anything. Use that white woman power. Wham-ow. Me too. He could have been fired. Anything. Maybe they would have done the same thing. Transferred him. Gave him a promotion. But she could have stopped this. It would have never got to a situation where he you know, had to yell and get his cortisol levels up and all that. Tragic arrangement. Uh, white wife did report the supervisor. He was transferred promotion. I could not make this up. So he was removed and I was informed by another black non-white coworker that he had called her brown sugar and sexually assaulted her by rubbing her arm. No, I am not shocked. Now the promotion. I did not have to accept the position because both station managers are moving forward with the paperwork to get me transferred over. That's the second time uh, that this has happened. I guess I have to start including that. Sometimes you don't even get a decision in the matter. Uh, they'll just you will just be assigned uh, and that'll be the end of it. You don't get a chance to decline. Think about it. You just come in and uh, this is now where you will be seated, not your desk. This is now where you will be seated. This is now your title. And that's it. Oh, and here's your extra cornbread for the week. Take the cornbread. Uh Moving forward with the paperwork, I overheard some of the supervisors talking about it, and they said, yes, next pay period, you will be in management. And it only took me to show interest in switching sides again. I will not have to go through a 90 day probation for the job I'm getting at this point because it is a 90 day job appointment like a detail and they could keep reassigning me the same detail or after that hire me as a supervisor if I apply or I could apply somewhere else. Hope that makes sense. Lots of options. Uh, so I did obtain the entry management position and will be traveling about 40 minutes from my current location to the new one. My family is supporting and friends are as well. Uh, that is important. I think that came up last week. Uh, we had, uh, I believe it was a female victim who called in, who talked about those promote. It was the same thing. It was a promotion, but with her promotion, her probationary period with the company restarted and that was something seemed like that was a detail that she did not have uh in the beginning when making the decision about whether or not to take this promotion uh, and so to get that after the fact that if you've been on after you've been on a job securely uh for a period of time years and then you get a promotion and think oh yeah this is great and then it's oh wait a minute i'm back on 90 day promotion like whoa <laughs> again so that means anytime you show up late or anything if you have a disagreement with a coworker, anything like that could be Super scrutinized. Maybe you keep this position. Maybe you get a demotion. Maybe you don't even get to stay with the company after this probationary period, which was supposed to be a promotion. So it's a lot to consider. I would just say make sure that you go over all the details. Uh, but you wanted the promotion. You got it. Everyone's supportive. Uh, great. Just be alert uh, because I'm sure uh, that previous incident is not forgotten and you being partners with this white woman is not forgotten. Uh, definitely be mindful of that. So uh, just be alert. There will be more to come. I am sure you can give us future uh, updates about what happens. Uh, there are other folks who wrote in as well. I will read their updates as we proceed. Uh, the number again is 605-313-5100.
564-9463. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, I do not think uh, just an addendum with the situation, the military situation uh, where he wrote everything down. I think in most civilian situations, I think most civilians would be less likely to do what he described, knocking the pen out of the hand and all that cursing. You definitely have some people who would do that. Absolutely. I've worked with some people, white and non-white. They would do, you know, that sort of thing. Or I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be stunned if they did that sort of thing. But I think most office spaces, 2019, especially because, uh, I mean, you'd have to do some contact. Like, that's right at assault if you're going to knock something out of somebody's hand. I think most work environments, that is not going to happen. <laughs> that is, uh, I would not be concerned about that at all. And again, if that's what they did do, well, that would just add to it. Now it's a lot more to write down and we're potentially talking assault. So I would use that to my favor as well. Uh, but I think that is a safe strategy. And like I said, I think that is a strategy. Most people will immediately much be, become more cautious about what they say to you, especially if they're coming in and saying incorrect things, things that they know are in violation of policy and procedure and what they call uh, acceptable office decorum. Star six one, if you have your own situation uh, or if you have uh, suggestions, comments on uh, anything that the folks uh, shared, if we have any folks who think, wow, that is dangerous. Maybe he shouldn't have done that. Maybe he shouldn't have been <laughs> pulled out that pen and been taking notes uh, with a sergeant uh, who probably is armed. Maybe he shouldn't have done that. Let's definitely hear that. Uh, if you have other uh, suggestions that you would offer for any of those situations, feel free. Folks are spectating a tad. Don't know if they're out enjoying the sun. If you are not having problems at your workplace, that is phenomenal. Again, do not spectate. Let us know how you were able to accomplish that miraculous feat. Uh, while folks are spectating, I think we might even have a second update uh, from the person at the military. We do. I will give the update just so we can get all that together uh, and then move forward. That way, if people want to comment uh, on his situation, we'll have all of the details. So he has an update. Uh, I'm here to report all kinds of workplace unjust. Uh, I cannot make this up. United States Postal Service. While placing mail for my route in the case, another carrier, white male, walked up behind me and grabbed my butt. And said, Ain't that right? Breathe sexual assault. Uh, never in my days have I been so shaken. I was uh, pissed as I turned. This terrorist was reaching to grab again and almost grabbed my man parts until I said, excuse you. At the same time, knocking his hand away to make it worse. He is smiling. I cannot make this up. He then stated and I quote and I quote, we OK. I thought we were cool. So I stated and quote, uh, don't ever put your hands on my rear. I do not come to work to be sexually harassed and I do not expect to be sexually harassed at work. Number three, take a note. Uh, so you go around palming 
people's behind at work. Sexual assault is allowed at this station with those you are cool with. These are questions he was asking uh, to get this right. As long as we are cool, sexual assault is allowed in the workplace. He stated, no, I just didn't think there was a problem. I said, oh, there wasn't until you decided to touch me without my invitation. You won't believe what he said next. Yep, you got it. Gus and the listeners. I, you going to tell management? I said, please keep your hands off me and walked off. While carriers looking at us like, what's going on? I didn't yell or raise my voice. I stayed calm, mannered, and all and all, but I was boiling. Now that was a few days ago, and this guy speaks to me every day now and tries to joke with me. I just try to respond with as minimal as possible and keep moving, and he still slaps my shoulder. Now I find myself trying to avoid the dude. I am going to stop right there. I would have gone to management, and in fact, you should go to management right now. I wouldn't care if this happened uh, last month. I wouldn't care if it happened in April, May, June, last year. Go to management and report this immediately. And in fact, this, the people that have the no touch policy at work, totally understand. And when I say no touch, uh, I think Ivy and some other folks have mentioned, I don't even do handshakes at work, much less hugs. No touching. I totally understand. Even if uh, I'm talking to the uh, victim specifically who wrote in about this, even if you don't have a no touch policy on your job, this individual, there would be a no touch policy. It would be in no certain uncertain terms. Do not ever touch me for any reason. We are not even shaking hands anymore. Do not touch me. Is that understood? It wouldn't be any. I thought we were cool. I'm going to ask again. Do not touch me ever for any reason. We're not even shaking hands. Do you understand? Yes. Got it. All right. And then we can move forward. It's nothing else to talk about. It's no joking. Do not touch me ever. If you need to talk to me, you do not touch me. Say what you need to say and let's keep it moving. We can be professional. We can be courteous, but we are never going to have any physical touching ever again in life. That would be clear. I would be looking him straight in the eye. We talk about that black self-respect immediately and i'm still going to report this uh that this happened uh yeah he would be reported even that because i felt like that you're you're still practicing racism to come up and put your show hey bud we're all right everything's and it's, do not touch me ever i wouldn't care if he speaks or not i wouldn't care if he's a supervisor he would be reported on monday if you're listening to this broadcast it's friday if you don't work over the weekend that would be task number one for Monday. This individual is going to be reported date time that it happened. Exactly what you said, exactly what he said, where you were. It seemed if there were witnesses to this, you don't have to uh, to get them or what have you. But I mean, all of this would be detailed and you might even be in an environment where there are cameras. So this could be, you know, we can go back and look at the footage to see is this accurate. But I would write all of this down, detailed notes, and I would make a report. I would call it exactly that sexual harassment. I do not come to work for the United States government to be molested by employees. What? And I would go. I know they got a policy and procedure there. Go to the policy and procedure. Where is the section on sexual harassment? What is the protocol? What is exactly supposed to happen when sexual harassment is reported? Oh, and this is the man not 
Dr. Tommy J. Curry, all that talk about sexual harassment and they don't mention black males as victims. They'll throw Bill Cosby in there. Oh, yeah. Groping, raping black males. Feverish. But they do not talk about, oh, yeah, black males uh, are victimized sexually a lot, even in the workplace. We've had quite a few black males. Retired firefighter story about the penis on the head. We got this one. Uh, we had uh, Thomas in New York where the guy came to grab his zipper. We've had quite a few. Uh, that's not even getting to the black males being sexually harassed by white women. I'm just talking about black males having problems with other white men on the job. Have a code for that. That's something that I've talked about uh, repeatedly for such a long time. You have to already go over your code for exactly what you're going to say and do. And I would say exactly what he did, where he uh, said what he said, and then he knocked uh, the white man's hand away. That's exactly what we talked about. Emmy uh, described that exactly. If you have to pull away because he's doing the shoulder thing, I would pull away as soon as it looks like. And I would be clear. No touching. Whatever, you know, get your speech out. You can write it out, practice saying it a few times, practice moving away or what have you. But everybody, that's at least one piece of counter racist codification that has got to be rock solid, male or female, because it's just been way too many of these uh, incidents over the years of unwanted touching, molestation uh, in the workplace. You should just expect that sort of thing to happen and have the black self-respect that you are not stunned. You immediately know what you're going to say and immediately know what you're going to do in that situation. And that person is going to be reported. That's mandatory. Continuing. Number two. Uh, Remember that entry level management position a few days ago that they approached me for in another city. Well, mysteriously, my station manager, white man, came and told me they had to figure out or look into something before I can be released and that the job fell through. Maybe he can put my name out for other cities. Now, I know the Postal Service does things a little different, but I know they had already processed my removal from carrier position and appointed me into the position per the supervisors at my station. All they would say is, oh, Saturday, you officially move to the dark side. Direct quote. Oh, you just got here and leaving Saturday. I just said, okay, out loud. But my mind was saying, hmm, I thank you all for taking the time, Gus. Uh, You know, I'm telling you, I could uh, go back into my whole time here and will shock you. Also, yes, we have had some one urinate on another person's property and more just like they show online. Wow. Uh, Wow. We, that was the audio intro from this week. There's a, a Boeing factory in South Carolina where a black male, uh, he reported a noose being placed on his desk, uh, being called racist names. Uh, someone urinated uh, on his work area. I think the desk and the chair uh, at the factory. They said they fired the person who did this allegedly. Uh, but <laughs> that, and in my view, that's sexual too. Using your genitals in this such... <sighs> If we have any folks out there who have experienced this in your work history, urinating on people's property, desk areas, workstations uh, in the workplace, uh, please share. I did not know that a urine code uh, was needed for the job. If anything, this is a really horrendous illustration of why that possessive possessive adjective, this for sure is not my desk. This for sure is not my property. Thank you. I will never use that term again. Someone has urinated on your desk. 
yes, this is my workstation. So, yeah, I'm sure this was an act against me, but this is not even my property. Where am I working at for the day? And I, I love what Dr. DeGruy said. Are we going to get a DNA sample so we can be clear, crystal, about who did this? The number again, 605-313-5164. Be code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I'm very sorry, uh, victim who dialed in about the uh, position not being available, disappearing suddenly. Uh, it would seem like the post office would have greater stability uh, than that, but I am not surprised. Uh, and I think we should all have that sort of uh, perspective in the workplace, being very cautious about things until they happen. Uh, racists, uh, it, I think Mr. Fuller describes it as expecting to be mistreated. Uh, they enjoy this sort of thing to get us really excited about something good happening and then to have us all disappointed. And, oh, it fell through. We don't know what happened. Oh, so sorry. That sort of thing. Uh, do not be surprised. Expect any sort uh, of tacky uh, behavior, anything. Uh, that's why I said just be alert. I said that even before we got to the update to be alert, be mindful. There will be more to come. They certainly have not forgotten who your partner is, uh, and they have not forgotten, oh, he had that dispute with a white man. We got an uppity nigger here. He's dating white women and thinking he's going to talk loud to us. We'll show him. Indeed. Uh, but I would go report that white fella. All of that uh, to the side, the white guy who did uh, the molesting, he would be reported immediately. I would have uh, a typed out document with all of the details. Uh, I would report it to the necessary party. I would go in also with the handbook uh, from the post office about what is supposed to happen uh, when sexual molestation occurs in the workplace uh, by someone who's employed by the post office. What is supposed to happen? Uh, if uh, folks have a suggestion uh, on what's been shared proceed. Uh, again, if anyone thinks that that is incorrect, that maybe that's not a good suggestion to pull out a pad and write down when someone is saying something incorrect on the job, let's hear it. If we have uh, any folks in terms of this black male being sexually assaulted by a white man in the workplace, uh, if you all have any suggestions in terms of what should be done about that, for sure, or non-white females that are listening in, everyone, or males and females. That is a widespread problem in the workplace worldwide. So if folks have uh, suggestions on that, feel free as well. Uh, let's see, retired firefighter. Proceed. Greetings, Gus. Greetings, everyone. Uh... With the uh, sexual assault, uh, I don't think it would be anything that I would have to say or do. What I would actually do uh, would be constructive, uh, but uh, I would be honest. My, my first inclination would be to uh, attempt to uh, enact brutal harm upon that person and i would say it can either it, it would either be it, it can be a, a a white person or a non-white person uh with the idea of the mind that you know maybe after i calm down uh i don't and, and i i can't even define that i can't even define calming down but uh maybe some 
of course of time it would be on it would be on film. Most of these office buildings have uh uh the technology, security technology all over. And it could be seen on tape. But uh unfortunately for me and uh I, I would I would just have a uh immediate reaction that uh I would not uh endorse to share that with anybody. Uh, I, I, I'm just being honest on what my first reaction would be if someone did that to me. Mainly because about my, my personal history, I don't, I don't show any of the attributes of inviting someone to do that to me. And in the workplace or anywhere, actually, there are some, I'm not saying that anybody does something to invite it, but I would say this, and it's similar to the case that I was mentioning before with the black male who had the testicles put on his head. He was attempting, although he didn't deserve it still, but he was attempting to uh to uh get noticed as a friend quote unquote one of the boys type of thing and uh him not really understanding that uh the people that he was dealing with were not sincere not even remotely sincere at all and uh they just wanted to to uh, take advantage of a non-white person who is brain damaged, just like me, but in, in, maybe in, in a different way, but brain damaged nevertheless. And uh, they just want to take advantage of that. That's what racist white supremacy does. It, it damages the, uh, the uh, esteem of non-white people and uh, in different sort of ways and uh and in turn basically there are a lot of non-white people who exhibit that in the workplace that i've noticed and uh the white if i notice it i know white people notice it and they take advantage of it even to that extreme and i never displayed such type of uh behaviors uh and uh so for someone to do that to me and and plus not not even from that standpoint but consciously consciously and it, I, I can't even hide it on my face because i don't smile a lot <laughs> when i was at work I, I never smiled a lot uh to whereas even non-white people non-white black people with some some of them that didn't know me personally would say you ought to smile more you know that that type of thing and uh it, it's, it's reverberated because i've heard i've heard even on this program uh that being a subject with black males especially and uh, for someone to, to just come out of nowhere to do that they they would suffer the consequences over that 
that uh, uh, 30 seconds to two minutes, however long it takes before some other uh, faction comes involved and gets involved and uh, uh, pull me off of that person uh, or pull them off of me. I don't know. You know, it depends. But it, it would be it will go physical very quickly. Uh, but I wouldn't suggest that with anybody. Uh, I wouldn't advise that. I, I would, in hindsight, probably identify that as being an error. But that, but I'm just being honest about it. That's it. I'm kind of like repeating myself. Thank you. <laughs> for sure. That uh, I think under normal circumstances, I think that would, uh, for many, uh, prompt self, an act of self-defense. So totally understood um <clears throat> uh, and again oh oh uh w- w- one more thing gus i'm sorry for interrupting you but uh make it clear that i was not the victim because <laughs> I, I i heard you mentioning about the uh the situation that i brought up on the program <laughs> just just make uh, emphasis that to anybody who may not know i'm just i was just reporting it i was not the victim of that situation where that that black firefighter had his had testicles put on his head, it was also with a different fire department, also with City of Miami Fire Department, that that took place. <laughs> Important distinction. I, I totally understand. <laughs> no genitals on Thank retired firefighter's head. Make sure that that is clear. It happened to someone else. He is just reporting. Very important. Um, but I mean that's totally uh legit and i could even see in some workplaces uh where if they if those are the facts uh and there was an altercation but it was because this person was being molested and as a result they turned around and whacked this person and knocked them out cold and that's you know hey that's a different thing like wake that person up and call the police you know let's get to it that and uh that might even be one where you want to consider calling the enforcement officials i'm not uh talking about the uh postal workers specifically although you know you can consider uh but once it gets to people putting their hands on you uh and it's sexual molesting any sort of unwanted touching in that sort of way like oh yeah you can think about that as well uh if you report it and they deal with it to your satisfaction or not you also have that option do i want to report this to enforcement officials groping they call it that is something that uh can be a police matter in some agents uh in some places so I would consider that as well. You can file a police report about uh, this sort of incident. But the bottom line would be it would be made clear immediately. Not acceptable. The jerk away, the moving of their hand or or whatever it is. And this is to be reported uh, immediately. Detailed report. Write it out. uh, Go. And again, what is the procedure according to company policy? What's supposed to happen? when there's an allegation of sexual molestation in the workplace by an employee, what's supposed to happen? Other folks, uh, if you have uh, either your own situation that you would like to share, again, we are always elated if folks have figured out some things that work well uh, to solve problems in the workplace. Uh, Make sure that you do not have problems. Uh, You are compensated correctly every time. They're not cheating you out of anything. Uh, You get your sick days or whatever it is. They are not urinating on your workspace. Uh, If you have figured out how to minimize all of those difficulties, please let us know. 605-313-5164. The code 
564-9543-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, while folks are spectating, we will share our next workplace racism report. I guess I'll give out the email again, untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Uh, this, I guess I should explain. There was <clears throat> a, what was it? Mr. Lowen's book uh, in Sundown Towns, which we're finishing uh, next Thursday. He has a section where he was talking, he was comparing Atlanta to Detroit, and he said that uh, these are two cities that have a lot of black people. Uh, he said that being black in Atlanta, blackness is less stigmatized in Atlanta. Black residents in Atlanta have an easier time with career paths, getting jobs than black people in Detroit. I've lived in Atlanta. I did not agree with his sentiment, and I asked uh, if we had listeners who have lived in either of these two cities. Great if we have anyone who's lived in both. Uh, but if we have folks who lived in these two cities, if they could, you know, give us testimony. Do you think uh, that blackness is not stigmatized in Atlanta? And do you think, hey, black people in Atlanta, they have, you know, a pretty expansive uh, career opportunity. If you want to go to Atlanta, hey, you can do things uh, much more so than other places. And or if we have folks who live in the Detroit area, uh, what do you think? And again, Detroit has a lot of black twice the number of black people that Atlanta does. I was stunned to know how many more black people they have than Atlanta. Uh, so in response to that, person writes in, uh, it's no, in my opinion, whites have just refined their codes to work better in larger black populations. Career opportunities are a product of the local economy, in my estimation, not the number of black people, i.e. Oakland has a uh, has a well-known black history and significant population, but all the money in that area seems to be in San Francisco, which is across the bay. Hmm maybe 10 miles controlled by whites. I work at a regular job with 90% anti-black employees and 90% suspected white supremacist supervisors and managers who ironically come from other states and live an hour or more outside the city away from blacks, sundown towns. These white men have perfected the domination of black people at this job. From what I see, it's quite depressing. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's, you know, that is, the state of, you know, racism, white supremacy. I do think in those type of environments, it's extremely important to have a code because I think in those type of situations, what happens frequently is that the non-white people just, and that's why I said the anti-black employees, the non-white employees just end up squabbling and bickering with each other when it's those white managers and supervisors that are responsible for all of the incorrectness that's operating. Uh, I think you have to be extremely codified to make sure that you are not uh, becoming frustrated with the other non-white people and uh, going about things correctly. I think Mr. Fuller talked about that because in those type of environments, a lot of times they will have meetings and the person who has the power to solve the problem is not even present at the meeting. So you have to be cognizant. You all can sit around and squabble and argue about whatever is being proposed. And it's, you know, a white person or someone else who's not even probably you have to be mindful of that uh, on a regular basis. And it would be trying to redirect things back to who is in charge? Who can get this solved? Who can get this solved? Who can get this solved? Thinking more in that sort of way, be, being very codified. Uh, let's see. Much obliged. Uh, person writing in. Uh, 
double check. Let's see. B in Toronto. Racism, white supremacy is global. She participated when Dr. Uh, Joy DeGruy was with us on Wednesday. And I thought that was so important because uh, so frequently it's almost a cliche that we'll say. I think it was so funny because Dr. DeGruy, uh, she said, what you just described is America. And I almost wanted to interrupt me. That's B in Canada. She is not describing America, but she was uh, B in Toronto. She had eloquently laid out that, you know, you're in a racist work environment where you have these racists who are boxing you in and are hostile to you at every turn. What do you do? And Dr. DeGruy, she did. She said, you just described America. And it's no, I'm in Toronto. System of white supremacy is global, not just America, in quotes. Uh, do you remember that uh, B in Toronto? She said, you just described America. Yes, I, I did. And, and similar to, to what you were thinking as well, I, I, I almost wanted to say, no, I'm, I'm in Canada. This is happening here too. Um, you know, for many people who are thinking, oh, let's just leave America. It's going to be better over the border. No, no, it isn't. It's just a, it's the same type of racism. They're operating from the same type of playbook. And uh, it comes in many different spectrums from the overt to the covert, but it's still racism that's, that's happening over here as well and globally. So you're absolutely correct because I know that, as you've mentioned too, Stacey in the UK is experiencing. Um, I'm sure that uh, I believe there was a caller from Korea. Um, this would have been a few episodes back. Um, uh, where they too are experiencing where there's white people around. So the common denominator seems to be wherever white people are around, there's going to be racism. Hello? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, I, uh, for a moment, I thought that the call dropped. Thanks. But yes, um, in fact, while you were uh, reading the, the letter from... Um, from the gentleman who is experiencing um, sexual harassment. I was looking up online, and um, uh, ironically, and well, not so ironically enough, um, uh, as recently as January 15th of 2019, there were um, two other legal uh, sexual harassment cases um, from the U.S. Postal Service uh, that were entered, and um, the funding was through Times Up Now, um, which is uh, administered by the National Women's Law Center. So I went in and looked on the website. The website is called timesupnow.com, and it says here that it was launched in January of 2018 the fund was created to help survivors of sexual harassment and retaliation in all industries, especially low-income women and people of color. Even though I don't like the term people of color, if this is a possible avenue to access resource, um, this might be a consideration. Um, they actually had a GoFundMe account, which yielded uh, over $24 million. Uh, in funding, and uh, since launching, they've been able to help um, more than 3,400 women and men have um, uh, or be connected to legal resources. Um, so if uh, the gentleman um, or anyone else who is uh, experiencing a similar situation, 
uh, if they're looking for uh, a resource, um, I would highly suggest going to times.now.com uh, to find out uh, what resources are to be had uh, and what you can uh, do um, in the situation in addition to reporting it to management um, so that it's a concerted effort um, so the individual who's going through the situation is not going through it alone. So I, I hope that helps. Um, along the line of sexual harassment, um, there was a documentary that I have seen on YouTube called Cannibal Cop, The Cop Who Eats People. It's a 2019 documentary. And I thought that I wanted to bring this up because I thought this was really interesting. Um, it, it, uh, it doesn't relate to workplace racism um, per se, but I, I thought there was a key quote by a forensic psychiatrist that was really interesting. So just to give a quick background about this documentary, and again, anyone who goes on YouTube, if you go on to um, searching Cannibal Cop, The Cop Who Eats People, uh, 2019 documentary, um, it's about a, a cop who uses um, darkfetish.net to talk about cannibalism, kidnapping, finding the recipe to chloroform, using the um, New York Police Department database to find victims. Uh, he actually wrote how victims, um, per prospective victims, were rapeable, um, and uh, you know they can he can put her in the oven and butcher her when dead. Um, how, however, because this was a white cop, they felt that um, they, meaning the legal system, because he was put through the legal system, they felt that. Um, uh, uh, it wasn't considered a deviant act. It wasn't considered conspiracy to commit crime. Um, they, uh, the legal system, decided to determine that this cop may have been going through stress on the job, um, and uh, and that the defense team uh, had uh, stated that um, the legal system should not be. Um, uh, trying to charge him on thought crime, which I thought that was really interesting. It, it was it was a it was a, a fine teaching moment on deflection, um, so to speak. So um, here was a quote from the forensic psychiatrist uh, who disagreed with the the court's decision um, to to acquit uh, this uh, cop who was conspiring to commit uh, cannibalism and all sorts of other de deviant acts. Um, the forensic psychiatrist, his name is Michael Wellner, and he says, end quote, those with sexually violent intentions, not just fantasies, but offenders to be, tend to seek out law enforcement positions because of their ability to more easily access prey. And I thought that was really interesting because um, in The Man Not, it talks about how uh, police uh, have been molesting uh, black men, young, old, and in between. Um, there is the Daniel Hope call situation where uh, he raped over 13 women. Uh, I'm sure 13 women have come forward, but I'm pretty sure that there was a lot more to that count. And I know through the anti-racism 
um, uh, or anti-black racism uh, uh, strategies in, um, in, in Toronto where they're attempting to combat anti-black racism here, even though I think it's really lip service, but I digress. It actually included how uh, black males, um, there was a certain percentage, I believe it was over 69%, who felt that they were sexually assaulted by police officers. So I thought that was also an interesting thing to point out. Um, and, and I wanted to share that uh, as well. Uh, and, I, and I leave the line. Thank you. Much obliged, uh, B in Canada. I think I found the documentary. I'm sharing it uh, on uh, social media as we speak. This is the case of the Cannibal Cop 2015 documentary, uh, Gilberto Valle, V-A-L-L-E. Does that sound like the the one that you checked out? That's, yes, that's the one. Okie dokie. I'm posting it uh, right now. So if you all want to check it out, it's like an hour and... I don't know, an hour and a half, it looks like something, something in that ballpark, uh, if you want to uh, check out. That's wild that this happened in like 2013, and I don't recall hearing about They have all that talk about the war on cops and <laughs> all the rest of it. And this is 2013, they have a white enforcement official in New York City, like not out, you know, in some rural farm area where it's like a population of 200 people, uh, but in New York City. Uh, and as he's looking to cannibalize people, like, wow, that is that is extraordinary. Now you have more viewing material. Uh, it's the case of the Cannibal Cop 2015 uh, documentary and the fellow's name, Gilberto Valle, V-A-L-L-E, if you want to do some digging and uh, research. But that is uh, extremely uh, important, the vulnerability, uh, having individuals like this and other whites uh, who are looking for positions of power, authority, uh, school officials, I would think would also be a great one because you get young children access there. Uh, but lots of positions of power uh, where they can easily manipulate and, as you said, find prey to sexually terrorize. Uh, very common. Oklahoma City, we talked about that with uh, Daniel Holtzclaw. Very common. Jerry Sandusky, very common. And it's very common in the workplace. Like that's all the way back to plantation, uh, I guess the plantation field era of white supremacy uh, racism, but that is is super common, males and females. That's why Dr. Curry talks about that. That's talked about in delectable, uh, the delectable Negro as well, homosexuality, human consumption, and homoeroticism in U.S. slave culture worldwide, really, uh, but super important. Uh, and again, why everybody needs to have a very strong and well-practiced, I keep saying that, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. Like you can take, you know, five minutes, maybe once every two weeks, once a month, and you're just going over. This is what I say. This is what I do. You'll know once you got it down. Like, all right, this is bam. I got it. This is what I'm going to say. I do my move away or whatever. And you'll have it. It's not something that, you know, this is not a major production. This is not going to require hours of research, but it's really just getting it so you can practice. You can hear yourself saying it. You're comfortable. You can get out a phrase that you are comfortable saying. It doesn't have to be, you know, articulated the way I say it. But the point of it is clear. You're back in a way you have maximum black self-respect. And in my it's reported and it's a no touch policy from now on. Uh, Make that very clear. No handshakes, no nothing. Uh, once you have violated me like that in a workspace, especially like, oh, yeah, 
no touching at all. Uh, and uh, especially that shoulder thing, I would make that clear. No touching at all. We're not even doing handshakes. And I'm re- and when you report, I would make it clear with them as well that as a result of this, I do not feel safe. I do not feel comfortable having any physical contact with this individual anymore. That means no hugs, no handshakes, no touching the shoulder, nothing. All they're going to do, I would be stunned if any work environment that, oh my God, what do you mean? You got to shake. That's not going to happen. And if it does exactly what I said at the beginning of this program, you whip out that pen. You, excuse me. I'm mandated to shake hands with someone who sexually molested me on the job. Let me get that written down. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Today's date and just see what happens. But yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, other folks, if you have questions, comments, uh, star six, one, if you would like to participate, it is uh, standing like forever. If we have folks uh, who have success because I, I uh, referenced uh, mental health days, the importance of having high regard for your mental health, being mindful about your mental health. You can uh, recognize, but you don't have the same energy. You don't have the same vitality. You don't feel happy. You feel down, heavy, uh, all of that. You can recognize that about yourself. You know if that's coming from your work situation. If things are happening, they're saying you got a promotion and then you don't have a promotion. They're mistreating you. They're making comments about your wife, husband, whatever, family members. Um, Be mindful of that. That's important. Uh, I think a lot of times we end up in situations uh, in the system of white supremacy in general, but work specifically, uh, where we just have a a flagrant disregard for ourselves. uh, And that could just place us in (laughs) grave danger. Have a high regard uh, for your mental health. And to that end, if we have any folks uh, who have successfully used uh, FMLA uh, for work, to get time away for you or time away to take care of a relative or something of that nature. If you have been able to use that successfully, that would be great. Uh, Just to get more details, I think that would benefit uh, victims of racism to just have more knowledge about how that can be used successfully on the job. Uh, Other folks uh, with comments, questions, suggestions, they would like to air, uh, like to share uh, star six, one, not, I have, Quite a few emails still to read. Let's see. I will get to our bag of emails. Next up, uh, Kizzy's cousin. <clears throat> Glad I referenced Dr. DeGruy being here this past Wednesday. She writes, really appreciated the advice and wisdom from Dr. DeGruy. Her explanation of the fight or flight responses and reactions help me better understand how I interact with people close to me and how they interact with me, always learning and striving to do better. I've also managed not to be a victim of touching this week. Bravo. Summary of racist activity for the week. And again, that is just, hey, I'm going to step up because I think uh, people were also talking about other uh, non-white people that are not molesting you, but if you don't want to be touched, you just don't want to be touched. So you have to black self-respect and you can be that one. You don't have to be firm. You don't have to turn around and, you know, give them a uppercut two piece to the jaw. You can, Hey, we are still cool. Everything is fine. I just don't do a lot of touching in the workplace. If we could stop that, that would be great. There's no problem. We are cool in the gang or however you want to phrase it, but 
yes, you can have a that can be that should be a much easier conversation because they're just letting them know that you have uh, probably different uh, spatial boundaries in the workplace than other people do. Your spatial boundaries at work are a little tighter. This is my space. Much obliged. And I think most people can accept that, especially if you give it to them in that way. That This is, you know, how I operate in the workplace. It's nothing personal. We're still cool in the game. Continuing, she says, summary of racist activity for the week. Number one, I reported last week that the female saboteur continues to undermine me and play the victim. She had colluded with partner organizations to exclude me from meetings. So I emailed her and asked to liaise with me for future meetings. I also emailed the representatives at the other organization requesting they add me to the invites. Brilliant move. I copied my manager on both emails. Great way of using the email strategically. Include lots of individuals. So now you are getting notifications from multiple uh, race soldiers. Now they could all coordinate and still uh, deliberately exclude you, but that at least gives you more opportunities to get access to information when you need it. And copying the boss so that more people are notified of what's supposed to be happening to make sure that we keep everyone in the loop, as they say. I met with my manager, my manager today. She told me that she expected me to resolve issues with the saboteur rather than get her involved. At first, she was being vague and did not mention a specific person or incident. So I asked her to be specific. She said she did not want to. I told her I was unclear what she was referring to. This forced her to name the saboteur and she referenced the external meetings. She claimed that the issue was the partner organization's fault. Defending the saboteur without actually asking me to explain why I had copied her in or asked for her input. I informed her that I followed the instruction she had given, i.e. that attendance at the meetings should be shared. I also clarified that I had previously requested that I be included in meeting notifications, but it did not happen. I could not make a direct accusation about the saboteur that I could not prove. Clearly, there was some unjust networking, and I believe my manager knows this and was being deceptive. I reminded her that she had asked me to liaise with the saboteur and presumed she had given the saboteur the same instruction. I stated that I couldn't liaise with the saboteur about a meeting I did not know about, but the saboteur should have raised the matter with me as she clearly knew they were happening. This caused her to pause. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Just following logic. That's all we're doing. And that is such a key strategy. Not making accusations in the workplace. You're not accusing individuals of being racist. You're not accusing anybody of being a terrorist. You're not even accusing them of stealing paperclips. However, we're just going to follow logic about the meetings who had information about the meetings, and just reminding, was I supposed to meet with her? Yes. Am I supposed to be notified about the meetings? Yes. Well, it seems that's not happening. I'm just trying to solve a problem. Asking questions, following logic. When we get to the point where they have to stop talking, well... All right, then. So is the issue resolved? Right on. I'll hopefully get notifications and... That will resolve this problem. Then I won't have to come and waste your time. You can go about being productive and I can be at these meetings getting work done. That's the ultimate goal. Yes. 
Number two, he then brought up another issue. Again, did not ask me for my view, just expressed her conclusion that the issue was me. The saboteur had disregarded agreements made to push her own agenda and give the impression she has a better handle on the projects I lead. I have successfully deflected these attempts, so they are trying to shift the narrative. I reminded my manager that she was present when the initial agreement was made and explained that the saboteur continues to disregard the fact. I pointed out that this is causing me extra work. I gave more additional examples. She then mentioned what had been minuted at other meetings where she was not present, minuted at other meetings where she was not present, and that she would go back and recheck what was written. Hmm. Again, demonstrating their unjust networking and her racist bias. You were quite right last week when you pointed out that they have meetings about the project I manage that I am excluded from. I challenge them and ensure I am included as far as I can, making sure there is an audit trail. This is proving awkward for them. I love the audit trail. Love it. The notes always. It's so important. Uh, Generally, individuals who are about incorrect behavior, they are going to be very uh, adverse uh, to a paper trail uh, and there being detailed notification about what's happening, what's being said. They are going to be, oh man, the emails having all these notifications like, oh man, we are trying to get this done and to, you know, deceive a lot of folks and they want to write down everything accurately and record every meeting like that is not what we're interested in doing at all. Uh, Essentially, me bringing her into the equation means she is then responsible. She is trying to avoid damage to her reputation, even though they are all clearly in agreement. I will be sending her a record of what was discussed. Number three, finally, you mentioned on a previous broadcast that companies do not check the credentials of a racist. I sure did. Uh, When the saboteur joined the company last year, she informed me she had 20 years worth of experience I can tap into. Hmm. (laughs) A few months later, I overheard her telling somebody she had turned she had just turned 34 years old. She is uh, a wonderkind. She started work at 10. Her background is in education and employment training. Allegedly, both require you to be slightly older than 14 before they let you loose on the public. That's just for non-white people. They hire white 10-year-olds all the time. I've seen nothing that would suggest she is a genius or was a child prodigy. In the past, these types of attacks would have ground me down and I would have felt the need to justify why I am in the post by explaining my experience often to people who have nowhere near my knowledge or professional accomplishments. I still get stressed by it at times way too often. But after listening to this broadcast and learning the lessons from Dr. Welsing and others and from readings such as The Invisible Man, number one all time, I do not do this. This really does aid black self-respect and maintain some level of mental well-being. That is super important. I think if nothing else in the workplace, anytime that you're around whites who are bragging about their accomplishments, just because we're in a system of racism, white supremacy, the main weapon being deception, there should be an element of distrust. We just had that college scandal and 
even if you did get that degree, what does that really mean in the system of racism, white supremacy? Like, even if you did, let's just say that you're not lying. What does that really mean? Like, just in general, I think that's great code uh, and just something to, to be mindful. Like, I wouldn't have thought that way before. Like, it would have been this. I would have. I don't know how I would have responded uh, just hearing that. I don't know if I would have been awed and, oh, my goodness, I'm so intimidated. And I'm just going to do anything that this white woman say she's been doing this for 20. Then she's she's you know, she's been working since 14. Wow. I was in high school acting a fool and she's been running. I mean, that's probably, you know, what I would have thought. Not this heifer is lying. She probably didn't even graduate. Her uncle is probably in the company. I would not have thought that at all. I'm not saying that that's always the case, but wow. System of racism, white supremacy, that college scandal is what are they, just the tip of the racist. Much obliged, uh, Kizzy's cousin. Context of white supremacy, the number again, 605 313-5164, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. We have had absolutely brilliant use of email, uh, counter-racist uh, efforts on the job this week. Uh, different listeners who are using their email to keep records of when people are responding to questions or ignoring uh, their queries, using their CCs uh, to get notifications or to block white people from obstructing and concealing information. Brilliant. Uh, continue that. Email can be a really useful tool. And that is electronic time stamped record keeping. Uh, even like I said, even if they don't answer, phenomenal. You'll have a record of that. I was asking questions, trying to get information, and I was being ignored. Uh, other folks, uh, if you dialed in, if you have comments, suggestions, uh, either on what has been shared thus far, or if you have your own situation, uh, star six, one. May I be heard? Uh, greetings caller in Florida. Yes, sir. thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. I wanted to start out um, my reports with the first one being uh, the, I know I shared the people or the white man that came in with the camera. I think that was the end of December, I believe. Uh, an email went out, speaking of emails, um, at least like two weeks ago from the legal counsel, the white woman. Uh, she sent a, a forwarded an email to everyone showing that these uh, people that do, I guess, like audits and they are very uh, disruptive. They come in with these cameras and they travel through Florida. Um, they said that they're going to be headed up toward northern or north central Florida. And they said that our courthouse could possibly be a target or something like that. And they said that they're targeting uh, public officials. Uh, so there was a YouTube link that I checked out the video because in the email, she was like, well, you have to see the video. So, so it's three white men going into a, a I think a, a tax collector's office or a DMV. Uh, and you know, they were, they took these cameras 
blatantly filming the employees in the uh, tax collector area. So they were asked to uh, leave, but there's two things that I'm noticing. The first thing, the guy that was holding the camera, and it was POV, so you can not see who the person was, but it's obvious that this is a, um, a suspected racist, three white men. So a white woman asks him, what is your purpose? Then he says, what is your purpose? Now, see, she should have been able to catch that as another white person. So she was like, I don't know. And and he, he turned a question on her saying, well, why are you wearing that dress or something? But she asked him the question. He never answered. So they were asked to leave. And one of the other guys had on uh, a shirt with a uh, vulgarity on it that said F the sheriff. And the uh, law enforcement official asked him, the three of them to leave. And when they got outside and saying, hey, you know, the, the head lady, the administrative person of this building is asking you to leave. Like, hey, can you show me the statute that says this and that and you're infringing on my rights, the usual rhetoric. So uh, it was like, well, we're just filming a public, we're filming a public uh, area, you know, I can handle these cameras. And then the officer saying, yeah, but they don't want you filming them. And he says, the, the guy on the camera, he's like, well, did Casey Anthony want her want her being filmed in the courtroom? But see, that's that metaphor. Like, these are people at, at a job. <laughs> how, how can you make that comparison? So I guess uh, we're supposed to be expecting some of these individuals. And I don't know how, the, how they're going to react to them because they're, they're making it sound like that they are that they are allowed to film, I guess, to some degree, and they're asking us not to engage them or whatever. But you can still use a, the question like, "I'm not giving my consent to be filmed," basically. And I gotta look over that administrative order once again to uh, check out the the specifics on that. Um, my next one is there was a, a white customer. He, he had on a neck brace for some reason. I just wanted to add that detail. And he was in there with a white woman. He was uh, filling out his divorce paperwork. And it's a cowbell situation because the, the uh, his ex-wife was black female. So uh, I noticed that she was saying, well, you know, I'm just about to leave. And you can just go ahead and deal with all of this stuff. And now as she was leaving, I think that was her daughter that was with her. And he was like, yeah, well, it looks like he didn't get very good advice. So the racism comes in where she, where she leaves with her daughter, the black female, and the white man, the husband, he, he, he waits a couple of seconds. And then he looks up at the white woman and says, uh, did, did, did she get mad when I said that she didn't get good advice? <laughs> so, he, you know, he's... Uh, holding up his head, looking at her. And she said, I didn't even look up. I didn't say anything because she named her daughter. She had a mean look on her face. They're probably going to beat the, the S-H-I-T out of you once you go outside. And then he says, oh, well, you know, that's okay. The police are nearby. Okay, so that's well-coordinated racism. 
my next one is um, there was two non-white people that came in to um, to apply for a marriage license, and they're looking to, to check to see what classification, right? So they laughed. They were laughing. Does this say black slash white? Like, what in the heck does that mean? So I've been um, trying to use a code to where I want the white person in front of me to respond. So she looks like she's very reluctant to say anything. So she, the the guy's like, hmm, you should just click refused because refused is on there, the word refused. Or he says, maybe they should put brown on there. I don't even know what that would mean. So uh, my supervisor, she's asked, like, hey, why isn't brown on there? And she's like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, do you want to just change it to something else? So they end up changing it to refused. My next one is I was uh, speaking to the uh, top um, powerful white person uh, after that ordeal with the warden. Uh, I was getting some signatures. So I said, man, that, that rain was really coming down yesterday. So I said, I'm glad I have my umbrella, basically. And <laughs> he said, uh, said, oh, you know, that rain was really bad. He, he asked that I go to the... Uh, to the Juneteenth, if anybody knows about that. They had some celebrations uh, nearby, so I hadn't, I hadn't gone in. So I guess since he's the clerk, you know, for the county, whatever, I guess he goes to these different types of events, but he asked me about Juneteenth, which I had noted. I wanted to share that. Um, and my last one, uh, uh, today, this morning, the black female supervisor and I think this was, she was, I guess you could say coerced or instructed. I'll use the term instructed to come before me and the other two female coworkers to say, hey, well, you know, you guys, you do a good job and I appreciate the things you do. And she started going into saying things like, well, you do, you guys do just as much work as the people on the other side at the front counter, sometimes even more. And she started going into talking about, well, it can be tough on some days and we don't want anybody to feel like, feel, she kept using the word feel, like they're unwanted and they they don't like the things that's going on in the environment. And you have to watch your emotions because if they fester up, you're just going to pop. So basically she was she was utilizing the general method but that was all aimed at me. So the other black female, she's like, you know what? Thank you very much for saying this. And uh, the the manager, she goes on to say, um, you know, I don't play favorites. And she started using me and another coworker as an example of saying how one person gets treated one way and the other person doesn't get treated in a good way. And she says, you know, you can just come to me if you have something you want to share. And don't use all of these words. Don't use all of these words. So she's talking about my vocabulary in the way that I speak. All right. And she's barely making eye contact. So I didn't say anything. It was like a, she said what she said because it's a waste of time because I'm going to a white person. All right. That's, you know. That's the that's the code right there. 
she doesn't have anything really to do with this because the reason she's behaving the way she is is because of white people. So I'm going straight to the top person. Um, and, and that's all I have for now. Thanks for allowing me to share. Discipline, uh, much obliged caller in Florida. I think that's uh, that discipline. That's what I talked about for the caller who said that they were in an environment with like 90% of the employees are anti-black, uh, presumably non-white people. Like you have to be disciplined because he said the management was white, 90% white. Those are the managers and supervisors. No surprise. Uh, but you have to be really disciplined to not or to just be mindful. Who was in charge here? Am I going to be upset about, you know, what she's saying? Uh, why is she even saying this? Is she reading, you know, a script so she can keep her job uh, down here at the courthouse? Like just being mindful. I think uh, it's, it can be very tempting uh, to forget that and to get upset at that person. And that's not really solving any problems. And you're still not dealing with the person who is in charge, the warden. Um, let's see. Even then, that's that is hilarious. I was I was laughing to myself uh, when she said, uh, "You got to watch your feelings. Got to watch your emotions because they're gonna pop." Uh, you got to watch those metaphors. Uh, but I was thinking, you got to watch your water because it's liable to wind up on the floor. Any other items that you put in the uh, refrigerator here at the courthouse, and and then even the uh, and let's not be using all those words. Use what words? You're using words right now. Is there like a glossary of, of terms that are forbidden in the courthouse? And if so, can I see that list? Uh, black hyphen white should be on that list, in my opinion, if we're taking, you know, opinions for terms that should be forbidden. But neither here nor there. Um, the Juneteenth, the tackiness, like I was going to say, if they mention reparations or OJ being on Twitter or anything else like that, I don't discuss politics in the workplace keep it moving i was not thinking any white person would be like oh wow have you participated in juneteenth <laughs> like whoa whoa i do not talk about politics in the workplace and or i don't even know what that is even if you do know i don't even know what that is thank you and keep it moving um let's see the i guess auditors that are coming i found that so strange because you have reported that cell phones, the people, uh, employees just pulling out a cell phone, like, you know, oh my goodness, <laughs> like what is going on? And do you want to, you know, be in the emergency room and the doctor is pulling out a cell phone? Like at times that can be enough where employees are ready to sound the alarm and somebody needs to be fired. Is there a policy on filming and that sort of equipment in the courthouse or not? The same thing I said with the cell phone, either there's a policy or there isn't. I thought they had a policy. They had that fellow before that you mentioned who came in with the camera. Do we have a policy on this at the courthouse? Yes or no. If there is, then I don't need. Why is there even a whole lot to talk about? Like the policy is no filming role. Like, uh, yeah, of course, it'd be no engagement. Get out of here. Same thing that they should have said to that other uh, fellow. I guess these are not a group of like black people. I guess it's not like Tariq Nasheed going out for his next hidden in uh, colors installment. <laughs> That's not what these folks look like. The auditors. These are mainly white people. That's what I thought. Uh, that should be one uh, uniformly enforced policy cameras uh, and how folks conduct themselves uh, in the 
courthouse, uh, especially when you come in and ask someone to leave or ask them a question, what is your business here? And they're not even going to answer the question. Like I've seen that alone. Oh, you're being defiant. Going to have to ask you to leave right now. <laughs> We're going to be moving you out forcibly in the next, you know, 30 seconds. They might not even give you a countdown like that. Wow. Um, the non-engagement, I do think that that's significant. White people uh, will get codified about words uh, to make sure that their employees are not having some sort of long back and forth. That's why I said, like, that's something that we can use on a regular engagement that frequently you don't have to say anything. Uh, we already got a code and you all got armed security. So, yeah, it's nothing to say. Just keep it moving. Uh, I do like the I do not consent to being filmed. Uh, I do think that uh, is important to bring up. Um mm-hmm. The tacky uh, racist who came in like that's just white people are not ignorant about racism. Uh, Even he had already thought out the plan to, oh, yeah, the police are nearby. So she'll be arrested and everything is good. That is you cannot be white and ignorant about racism. Even if you are married, insert cowbell uh, to a non-white person, that is totally irrelevant Uh, or it's not irrelevant. Maximum racist aggression you can just look at uh the person's conduct and i think you said he was getting a divorce so obviously that did not end with racial harmony and reconciliation uh all of the racial class was i said anybody if you uh i'm fortunate i feel like that's the correct term if you are fortunate if you you study racism white supremacy you studied uh mr fuller's uh, concepts of counter-racism. Uh, you've heard him talk about the importance of racial classifications and how much confusion and deception is with these racial classifications. You're on a job where that's an integral aspect of what you do, uh, having racial classifications and making people fill out you know, paperwork and that sort of thing. This is like illegal government documents that are being filled out. This is all time. It's going to be in the folder, you know, 50 years after you're dead. It'll be right there. Bam. Got your government uh, racial classification. Wow. I would take advantage and ask lots of brown. That's a racial classification. What does that? What is the brown racial classification? Pick out the first person in here. Can you pick out the fellow or female? That is the brown racial classification. Pick that person out for me, please. And what is the difference between the brown racial classification and the, let's say, Latino racial classification? Why is is President Obama in the brown racial classification let's just go down i mean nonsense it all is black i mean they just make i mean you can look at some of it that they just make up classifications black hyphen white white hyphen black that'll be a racial classification they just make it up as we go and then they'll tell you on top of that sometimes you can check multiple boxes you can be brown and black hyphen white (laughs) I would ask lots of questions uh, for that because I mean, and I would tell them people come up to fill out the form and they ask me and I don't know what to tell them. Somebody just came in and they said, do I check brown? I told them I didn't know. You got to tell me something. What am I supposed to tell these people? What is the brown? What's what? What's the what is the official response when they come in and say, now, what is the brown classification? I'm supposed to say. That's and I, that's another one. I pull out my pen. Boop, June 21. Let's see. Let's hear it. Write it down. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, that's what I'm going to say for all that. And please let me know if there's an update. I will get my pen and pad, come back, and bam. Let me, and let me get that black hyphen white if you got that one uh, while we're in here. Anybody, you work on a job with racial classifications, 
that would be my side project. I would just consider that a part of my daily duties. Like there would be, I would have to work out a schedule once a month, once every other month, anytime there's a training where they're talking about this or any forms where the racial classifications are on the form. Oh yeah. That's going to be one question. Like, uh, oh, yeah, let me get in my racial because and I would tell them, they said, man, Gus, every time you waste a good five minutes going over these racial class, I, I get confused, man. The people come up here and they get confused. I just want to make sure that I'm giving excellent customer service. Now, back to Brown. Much obliged caller in Florida. You can get a Ph.D. in white supremacy racism at the courthouse. Unbelievable. Number again, 605-313-5164, decode 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Other folks dialed in if you have either your own situation uh, or comments, suggestions on what has been shared thus far, feel free. Folks are spectating, I assume. Again, I hope this means you all are not experiencing any abuse, harm on the job. That shouldn't mean that you are not being mindful, taking notes, because I'm sure there are a lot of other important things that are taking place uh, in terms of just being mindful, uh, even if it's just is policy and procedure being followed. But uh, while folks are spectating, uh, still trying to make sure we get through all of the emails uh, next up, uh, this is black female. Uh, she's written in a few times with different updates. Uh, white female supervisor with a black male husband, cowbell again. Uh, why my white male coworker doesn't have a license and has yet to start to attempt to get his license for this particular role. They are rushing to promote him too. Now we just heard uh, about making up credentials. Uh, I think it was Kizzy's cousin, white woman, saying that she was on the job for 20 years and come to find out that that is a lie. But that's why I said that should just be already in your thought process. Some questions about this white person's uh, credentials. Continuing. They are already training him for it as they are in a rush to promote every white person in the department. They recently just hired two black females and two non-black, non-white females, and I believe they are rushing to promote this other white man so he doesn't have to be around non-white employees. Uh, They are rushing him into my department and my direct white male co-worker is being rushed into the next higher department. I mention this because they are trying to demote me to the file room. They are trying to fancy it up as if it's a privilege to assign names to files. They are trying... Oh, wait a minute. uh, uh, Every job I have worked Where the majority of the employees are non-white, the few whites in the department get to be kept away from us and are immediately promoted even when they are less qualified. It's blatant racism. Every single white person in the department has already been promoted 
or is being trained before being fully promoted to the next higher department. While they are doing this, for the non-whites, they keep removing privileges, making our jobs much harder and more stressful. My last part is that I came into work this week. I was not punched in yet, but I pulled my chair out and all the wheels mysteriously, she has that in quotes, came off. If I had sat down before noticing, I probably would have gotten hurt. But since I'm not punched in, nothing would have happened in regards to justice. The shenanigans with the chair. Uh, This again, I say no using the possessive adjective. I I know it is wordy. But it really is. This is the way that I explained it when I first started talking about this some years ago on the program. Uh, It's really mentally to remind ourselves, none of this is mine. This job, quote unquote, that I have is not even mine. They can tell me that I'm fired. You're going to be putting names on the files now. And you should be ecstatic about that. They do make that decision from time to time. It's just, I think, uh, important uh, because it's true. Number one, we want to tell ourselves the truth. Racists encourage us to lie to ourselves all the time. But I think just being mindful of that at all times, it drastically shifts the way that you think about how you operate in the space, how you use this space, how comfortable you get in this space. And for incidents like this, this is not my chair. I'm not surprised about something like this happening. And it can help you be a little more emotionally detached. But I mean, to have the urine in the chair from this week and then to have a caller say, oh, yeah, that happened on my job experience at the post office, no less. Uh, Then to have this one like, wow, like, does that have to be a part of the workplace code? Examine chair before sitting or examine your workspace uh, area before sitting. Check for moisture, smells of urine. Have the wheels been unscrewed? Anything else? I mean, and white people joke about this sort of conduct. Uh, they call they will say that this is Tom uh, Foolish office horseplay. I think that was one of the ones. That's what they'll call it. They have names for this. Tom Foolery uh, of doing this. The uh, the sitcom The Office was on for about ten years, and it's exactly this sort of thing: going in and pulling pranks. Uh, on other people so the desk will fall apart when they sit down and all this sort of nonsense. That's why I've said for years, uh, have a mentality of being serious, be known for being serious on the job. You are not about office pranks and all the nonsense in the workplace. Uh, I guess in addition to that, maybe be mindful. I have heard people talk about uh, things being placed in their chair uh, and silliness, pins or little thumbtacks, things of that nature. And just goofiness, uh, goofiness. That, well, urine would not. That's a totally different category. And even the wheels uh, falling off. And she has wheels, plural. Maybe if it had been one wheel, if it was a little squeaky and maybe there was a loose screw and, you know, something of that nature. But the wheels, multiple wheels just roll off like wow wow that's the work and again maybe checking the chair before you going in uh to the workplace but it it would just be another reminder uh, of the environment that i'm in uh and how i need to be very alert uh and maybe even a reminder that this might not be the best environment for me uh if this is the type of thing that i'm going to have to put up with in addition to the demotions uh on top of that uh with regards to all of the white people being promoted 
because it's so widespread and if uh, the other non-white people that are there are equally qualified, as qualified, more qualified, and they're not getting the promotions if it's that stark, uh, that's one of those that would probably be better as what they call a class action lawsuit if a whole lot of people are saying, yeah, I wasn't voted, I wasn't promoted, I wasn't promoted, and look at all the people who have been promoted. Is there a difference in qualification? And they're being promoted so quickly that seems like the type of way that that would have to be attacked. Uh, you can go about the business of just asking what are the credentials for promotions and things of that nature. That's one that whites on jobs tend to be very hush about giving out specifics. Uh, but just asking, how is it that, you know, certain people are being promoted and so quickly, you know, that they were not even here that long. There are other people who've been here longer. Are they less qualified? Uh, asking questions uh, to see about this. But there's so many it seems like there's so many issues uh, in this workplace that that would just be like one of uh, 50 things that are being addressed. Uh, she talks about the false accusations on a regular basis against she and the other black uh, employees that are there. Uh, so there would be there would be lots uh, to address. Uh, if folks have uh, suggestions for the first portion of this, all of these white people uh, being promoted and all of the black and non-white employees are not getting promoted and or she and others getting demoted uh, to less powerful appealing uh, positions within the company and the whites are being effectively moved up and away from the black and non-white employees. If folks have any suggestions on how they would go about dealing uh, with that uh, or the wheels, I guess, being pulled off the chair. I don't know what you would classify that if, if, if that's, I guess that would be both workplace safety and uh, just the general uh, office shenanigans, uh, different uh, things, just sabotaging your work area and things of that nature. I think Stacy in the UK talked about some of her desk uh, items being moved around and garbage being left on the desk area. I think I kind of put all that in the same uh, category uh, of either unsafety in the workplace, potential hazard because she could have fallen, uh, and or just general lack of regard, lack of general workplace courtesy for your workstation. Uh, folks have suggestions on either portions of that, or if you have your own situation, proceed. Can I be heard? Greetings, retired firefighter. Yes, greetings again, Gus. Uh, I would say the the birth the birthplace for all of those type of shenanigans with the, uh, the wheels coming off the chairs and whatnot is the fire department. Uh, I can at least say in this part in this part of the world that it's called the United States, uh, the birthplace of uh, pranks and those type of shenanigans uh, are in fire stations, primarily white males. And uh, I guess the best prevention is to expect it. The best, that's probably the best prevention that a person can have is to expect that type of activity, uh, inspect your area where you are, uh, told to be stationed at, uh, at all times, uh, always have a professional, a courteous, but a professional, uh, behavior about yourself. Uh, so it can't be assumed that you are, uh, a willing participant 
into something like that. And uh, more than likely, it won't happen to you. It won't happen to you. And, and, and I'm stating from a situation to whereas, regardless of your quote-unquote rank, uh, that sort of thing, uh, it, it wouldn't happen to you. Uh, I was a newcomer when I was a newcomer on the fire department. Uh, it was attempted one time, one time. And, uh, I, uh, as, uh, Mr. Beach said, I cut it at the knees because the, uh, the middle person in this act was actually a black male. And uh, I basically got, quote unquote, the metaphor in his face and stated that I don't come to work to play like that. I don't come to work to play at all. And uh, he basically took the message, did his job. I, I, I presume it was his job to be a messenger and took and took the message back to the uh, his white uh, uh perpetrators uh with the other situation uh it sounds like an old technique uh with the races under the people activity of employment uh what they would do at some points in time they would promote whites, white people, male and female, preferably younger. So they would reign over the non-white people in the company. And it doesn't matter what job, you know, fire department, <laughs> uh, uh, some sort of office, you know, IBM outlet or whatever, that sort of thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's basically it's something that I've heard uh, through sharing uh, experiences of uh, other non-white people that that would take place. Uh, I think the remedy from what I've heard is because what it does, it creates an atmosphere where there are multiple victims and where at least some some assistance, some constructive assistance to those victims took place by them uh, basically uh, meeting with, with, each, with each other and sharing their experiences and going about some sort of means to get it addressed collectively. Uh, I've heard of lawsuits, uh, something called also with the fire department, it was something called a consent decree uh, that would take place. And it's based on uh, the victims sharing with shared, shared uh, circumstances. And uh, they would take it to uh, a uh, perceivably powerful element and it would get addressed. Sometimes it's addressed to, of course, not to the levels that uh, would be satisfactory uh, to end in the system of racial white supremacy, but there have been some instances in certain places uh, with the fire department uh, 
where things have changed, things changed, uh, as far as promotions are concerned. Uh, and that's the only, uh, antidote that I've heard that actually had some, uh, answers, had some answers. That's, that's the only, uh, particular, uh, antidote that I've heard about that actually has some answers. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Much obliged, retired uh, firefighter. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if she has a rapport with some of the other folks that work there, but uh, that would be something where you, I would just maybe start some gentle dialogues. If you have a rapport within the, the other non-white folks, maybe start with the people that you have the best rapport with and just see if they, you know, have been promoted or looking to get a promotion, um, if they've had any observations uh, about the folks that are getting uh, promoted in the workplace and just trying to get, you know, a gauge uh, if of what their sense is in terms of how folks are being treated. I don't know if, if some of the other black employees uh, with the person who wrote in with this specifically has talked about being accused of things, uh, being accused of making errors in her work that she's not, you know, where she has not made the mistake some other white employees did. I don't know if the other black employees are experiencing that as well, but just kind of talk to them, not, you know, trying to start a strike or a mutiny or anything, but just talking about their general work experience. Uh, and if they are pleased, are they having these problems? Are they getting a sense that they're not getting access to a promotion? Uh, if they have been looking uh, to move up uh, to get a better position, to get a better salary within the company, if they feel like they're having some problems with that as well, if they've been on the job, especially, especially if you've been there. I think this person has been on this job for a little while, at least for uh, at least a few years. Uh, if there are other folks who have been there as long as you have and you all have seen each other, there's some familiarity. Just seeing what their general sense is uh, and going from there. Uh, if it seems like a number of folks are having the same problem, the same experience. Hey. You might be able to do something having a, a collective. Have to see. Uh, a, a lot of times that's found out. That's that's kind of like found, just what you just got through saying. It's found out over lunch break. You know, things of that nature. Uh, and, uh, you know, cause people do talk. People do talk. And uh, they share information. Uh, have you taken a promotional test yet? Are you interested in taking a promotional check? Excuse me, promotional test. You know that sort of thing. In other words, you know you're not directly pry, uh, prying, but you you're asking open questions, and the person may react by saying, "Yes, I took it, and uh, I don't understand. I, I I did I did a good job on it, and uh, and uh, I, I was aware that such and such, which is a white person, their score was." lower than mine and i don't understand on how that person you know got promoted and i didn't you know and 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 then you now you would say well the same thing happened to me you know and there you go you know i, mean, I i've seen it actually happen I've, I've heard about it actually happen you know so it, it could happen great strategy i hadn't thought of that i'm such a curmudgeon but yep that's one because i was thinking that would be a good conversation to have away from the office and i would have the same rule any conversation that you have you know hey now this might be repeated so it's again this is not going in 
these no good crackers aren't giving. I didn't say <laughs> going in. This is a very <laughs> gentle conversation. Words are important. This is not us planning a strike. We are not planning a lawsuit. Just talking about how has it been working at the company? How have things been? As you state, are you taking the uh, promotional uh, test? Oh, okay. Or you were even thinking about it. I know they had some openings for other positions. And I mean, some of this would depend on how well you know the person, if you already have a report and that sort of thing. But yeah, just to kind of see what their sense is, how they're feeling, if if they think they're being treated correctly in the in the workplace, or if they're having some of the same issues where they think, hey, I am not being treated correctly. Uh, they are they are not giving me the same opportunities for promotions or salary increase uh, that they are to these less qualified whites who haven't even been here as long they might have the you know the exact same sense so that would be one i reckon you can let us know uh if that seems appealing or if if you've even tried that already uh if we have any other folks if you have suggestions uh for this female caller uh, i guess either situation the them promoting all the white people and not promoting the black people which is cliche uh, in the system of racism and or the office uh, hijinks with the wheels uh, falling off of her chair uh, and or your own situation. Comments on what's been discussed thus far. Star six one. If you have a question or comment. Oh, Draftomania should be with us as well. Hi, Gus. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Hi, uh, Gus and Gus. Um, I wanted to comment on the um, shenanigans that uh, the young lady was going through at the office. To me, it sounds as if um, they're trying to use these tactics in order to get her to um, uh, quit. Her job is like a form of um, terrorism to get you out of the way. Um, I would suggest, and I also um, agree with the firefighter, I think it would, your first natural um, instinct would be to want to protect yourself, um, although it may not um, be the wisest choice, but when it comes down to defending yourself, you know, um, it's just a law of nature. I've had incidents um, where I was attacked on a job and I did retaliate. Um, it didn't work out. You know, they turned things around. But, you know, when somebody puts their hands on you, um, you know, it's kind of like you don't really know. Um, and at that time, I don't think I was – I wasn't really codified. So – that well, um, qualified, but um, knowing what I know now, I um, uh, would have probably made a different uh, decision um, because you know they, even though um, you're being attacked, they can turn everything around and make you look like you know the um, you know the bad guy. But what I would suggest for those incidents, because, uh, you know, Will's coming off for your chair all at once and urine on your desk and things like that is totally unacceptable. Um, 
I don't know how I would handle that or, you know, having to deal with that type of terrorism on a daily basis. And like I said, the only logical thing is, is that they're doing this because they know that most people would not be able to tolerate that type of terrorism uh, on a daily basis. So they want her to um, leave. But what I would do is probably try to contact maybe the um, employment um, uh, yeah, in, with the labor um, department, um, maybe also um, if she can maybe do some type of um, calling um, the newspaper or getting them involved uh, in what's going on and possibly contacting a lawyer if she has the means to do so. Um, but that's not something that um, I wouldn't uh, take lightly. Uh, those types of things, I mean, it could actually literally hurt her. Like you said, um, if she would have sat down, um, being that she sat down before it was time for her to punch into work, she wouldn't have probably been able to um, receive compensation. But um, would anybody go in to probably try to investigate to see, you know, what kind of foul play is going on in this situation? So um, those are the things that came to mind. And um, the gentleman um, with the um, incident at the um, post office, um, I think he handled that situation um, well. I thought I was, um, I thought it was pretty um, comical um, when you uh, was describing how he pulled out. Um, was it a guy? I think it was that he pulled out the pad and wrote down what. The um, sergeant was saying, I just thought that was comical. So, um, bravo. I think he did an excellent job. And uh, that's all I have to share. Much obliged. Uh, he, <clears throat> the postal worker is also in the armed services. So one and the same, but I think that was in his capacity in the armed services where the notepad was knocked out of his hand by the sergeant or whoever the higher up the chain of the command white person was. Um, I, I said earlier, if any folks uh, are listening alive, or even if you're listening to the archive, you can write in uh, for Workplace Racism, and I'll just read it uh, next week or whenever. Uh, but if anybody thinks that that is uh, not a suitable strategy to immediately begin taking dictation, uh, if a suspected racist says something uh, incorrect, violent, whatever it is, uh, to you in a workplace setting, to immediately take dictation as to what they said in front of you, you publicly like them, let them see that that's what you're doing. Even ask them to repeat it. If anybody thinks that that might cause uh, another problem without solving a problem, that would be good to know uh, to maybe reconsider if that would be an effective strategy. You know what, guys, um, now that you just said that maybe because the he did get um, assaulted by the um, sergeant, maybe um, the next time he might want to, you know, just, you know, wait until the conversation is finished and then take notes afterwards. That might um, cause less um, uh, difficulties for him in uh, the future. It's definitely something to consider, in my view. That's why I did say that was a military setting. And I think I, I, it's that's realistic to me for a military setting, even though I have no experience in the armed services. I don't think that that would be 
as likely as probable a response in a civilian setting. Not that I'm saying I couldn't see it happening. Uh, I definitely think there's some mm-hmm. racists and some victims uh, where I would not be stunned if that was the response. However, I think most office settings, that is not going to happen. Uh, nowadays, they're not trying to have, you know, an ass- I mean, that's we're right at assault. They're not going to have that in most uh, office settings. So I think you'd probably be acceptable. But military, yeah. Mm-hmm. Something to consider. Always something to consider. Wouldn't exactly recommend that with an enforcement official uh, either. They're armed. Once an individual is armed, lots more to consider. Uh, other folks, much obliged. Draftomania. Other folks, uh, if you have uh, comments, either your own situation, uh, suggestions for uh, any of what you have heard thus far, proceed. Assume folks are still spectating. I'm thrilled to have gotten through, I think, all of the emails. I think I'll double check to make sure we didn't get any uh, while we are on. I would encourage that was in the audio segment uh, at the beginning. They were talking about how some people end up being burned out in uh, on their jobs because they are not getting uh, constructive feedback. They use the word critical, but uh, useful feedback from their supervisors, managers that will help them improve and is timely, not, oh, well, you know, you're messing up on this procedure. This is not in line with the protocol. And they wouldn't tell you that as justification as to why you're not getting a raise as opposed to telling you that six months before your evaluation. So you have ample opportunity to implement that uh, critique, make the correction and, oh, yeah, gleaming for your review. Now you get that promotion Uh, to be proactive and request. I've heard uh, Mr. Edward Williams talk about this. He founded counter-racism.com. He's been a guest on the program repeatedly, uh, but being proactive in requesting uh, constructive uh, feedback or critical, that's the word they use, uh, but requesting that if you are doing something in error where you can make uh, an improvement uh, that you are always striving for improvement. Uh, so if they see something where you can go ahead and implement that right now to be better, please let me know. I am seeking to better myself. Like that's what they call being ambitious, eager in the workplace. But I would uh, encourage that because I feel like that goes right in line with we in generally and you can even uh, with in line with that. If there's additional training that would help me enhance my skills, I definitely would like to sign up. I am always interested in learning. Make your supervisor or manager aware of that to be proactive uh, because the training, they do such a quality job and it's consistent worldwide. They do such a quality job of denying, restricting access to accurate quality training in a timely manner for non-white people. That seems to happen on a consistent basis. We've heard on this program regularly and I see it with other black people who are having problems on the job. Consistent denial of access to quality training, pertinent information in a timely manner when it can be used. That is critical component, that last part of it. Not you finding out, like I said, oh, you get the promotion and your probationary period has restarted. That is not timely information. Uh, Other folks, 
Uh, any other comments, suggestions uh, they have to offer? I guess. Stacy in the UK, our obligatory timestamp, uh, 3.23 a.m. in London. Uh, happy solstice. Mm. Hello to you, Gus, and to the rest of the callers. I just wanted to comment on the, I think it's FMLA, Family Medical Leave. I don't know what the A stands for. Um, I didn't hear all of the... Um, the situation that was being discussed but my recommendation is that they again it just goes to policy and procedure I would encourage everyone to just read through all of the policies around that when you're making requests that ask for um uh, time off that the employer is then going to have to consider and it's in their discretion I um, talked about this a long time ago on the broadcast that when my mother passed away um, and then in fact my father passed away the following year uh, my director brought me into the office and I hadn't raised any issues about having childcare problems but I guess at some point I had mentioned that my parents used to look after my daughter after school and he had said to me that I should you know is it going to be an issue and that you know they'll be really flexible with me etc etc now bearing in mind I was deep in grief um I wasn't obviously 100% myself I then he then went on to say ended that discussion and this wonderful offer that I should put something in writing to him and he will consider it from there which to me at that time even though I was bewildered for a manner of reasons I thought that well that's a bit strange why do I need to put anything in writing if you're offering me something that I asked for so that caused me to pause I then uh, like, uh, I decided whatever I was going to do, I wasn't going to make any requests to that employer. Somebody else in the team had been attending. She had, um, I'd always had some childcare problems and sometimes brought her children in where she had been doing evening meetings. So they would be in the office at the time while, the other meet- while she was attending meetings. Not like every week or whatever, but quite often. So they had done the same thing with her suggested that she put something in writing to reduce her hours or whatever it was that she was going to come up with as a solution that was then used to um basically sack her say that she was no longer able to do the job so i don't know exactly what fmla is and all the details of it but i would just be very careful i would read the small print I would read up on another related policies in your handbook and just make a very condition whether or not you want to make that request Now that doesn't automatically mean that you're running into problems but I would just suggest you take some time and decide whether you're going to go down that route and the implications 
and if there are any other alternatives. Let me eat my line there, Gus. Much obliged, Stacy in the UK. Definitely, I mean, it's it's a lot to think about, you know, in, in making decisions. You just try to make the best choice you can. Um, but that is suspicious when they come with that uh, unsolicited offer of assistance and it's so detailed like wow like <laughs> that is a cause to just be like wow i wonder i wonder what all this is and in writing as you say like wow that's hmm and i could easily see that sort of thing happening that oh we're just not going to be able to accommodate and even them putting that together like something that you referenced some time ago uh, i think oh yeah she's gonna need childcare. Maybe that could be a way that we could get her out. Like, you know, just and in, in that, you know, such a, a vulnerable period uh, to have to be thinking in that manner. And really, I mean, in my view, that's just a further indictment of what it means to be white, uh, that there is. Because, I mean, at minimum, that's a lack of sincerity. I mean, if you're really concerned, then it would just be like, oh, yeah, if you need some time off or whatever it is we are going to work with you you are isn't isn't what they say you are a part of our family if you are grieving we are right there to support if you need time off or whatever we can do to help accommodate you we what are they saying the hate you give we got your back that's what i would expect if it's uh sincerity not you know write us out a formal agreement and we'll review the contract like what in the world but again, good to be mindful of that sort of thing. It's better. I think it's better to know that ahead of time. And that's why I say it's good to review because uh, some companies, they'll have their policy and procedure will include something about uh, grievance uh, and whether or not you get time off for that. I know uh, some employees, uh, excuse me, some listeners uh, have reported that with their company, they do not allow time uh, for grieving, even if it's someone in your immediate family who passes away. Nope don't care about the funeral or what it is if you're not at work well then new job for you uh that that was their policy and you know they were very strict about it so that's something that's good to know in advance uh exactly what their policy is and you know if they allow you to get <clears throat> uh time off and how you're going to be treated uh at such a, a vulnerable period hopefully it will not even matter uh, all the people you won't have to deal with that sort of situation uh on your job but Wow, like uh, that is the worst uh, to have really tacky, insincere racists uh, to be the ones that are around you at that time. Like, wow. Much obliged, uh, Stacy. Uh, other folks, let's see if you have comments, questions, suggestions uh, on what has been shared thus far in the broadcast, feel free. I will assume folks are satisfied or close to. Uh, we should be here tomorrow for compensatory call-in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we will catch up on what has transpired over the last seven days. Uh, the ickiness with reparations uh, almost predictably being brought up once again now that election season is upon us. Trump's re-election season, no less. Uh, but that and some other 
significant events that have taken place with regards to the global empire of white terrorism. We'll catch up tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, did other folks have commentary to share? They're just being loud in the background. <laughs> Let's see. Did, did you have commentary to share? Or are you uh, other folks just being rowdy? Maybe that's what it is. Grant, but we'll be here tomorrow, as I said, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific uh, for the compensatory call-in. I am trying to figure out uh, next book. We will conclude Sundown Towns uh, next Thursday. Last segment, James Lowen. Uh, it has been an informative, interesting read. But moving on to new territory, uh, we have uh, some suggestions uh, already. The Judas Factor, we would need a narrator if someone wanted to do that. Uh, the Gift of Fear, uh, I think Draftomania and uh, Emmy suggested that one. Not sure if there's already an audio book or not, uh, but there have already been uh, a few suggestions for new, a new text. Uh, if you have a recommendation, drop an email untiljustice at gmail.com and we'll check out a new book for the book club uh, as we get ready to uh, push on to something else. Uh, if you have other uh, suggestions... Um, Gus, there is an audio book for um, uh, Gavin D. Becker on YouTube. There's, oh, for I'm not sure the if they have fear. it. Um, for the Gift of Fear. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's great. That's, yes, sir. Woo, woo, love it when we don't have to read. That's beautiful. Thank you for letting me know. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And they also have one for um, Black Skin, White Mask. They also have one for that, too. Right on. I thought there was an audio book uh, for that, uh, for all of Fanon's uh, works. Uh, let's see. Did Stacy in the UK? Yes, ma'am. Um, I don't have a book title, but um, again, it's just me going back through the archives. I know that Dr. Wilson had talked about... Um, made recommendations to read about what the Nazis did to the Jews around the time of the Second World War. Um, so I don't have a specific book title, maybe others may be able to think of one, but I thought that would be something constructive to read about on the book club. Um, as I said, when I was listening to the archives, she didn't mention a specific book, um, but others may have an idea. I just thought it would be quite constructive. I'm in my line. Hmm. She did talk about that quite a bit, especially uh, before she transitioned, like the year before she transitioned. Uh, I think uh, Einstein on Race, that is one specific book on that subject matter that she uh, mentioned. And there is a book one of our listeners uh, mentioned it is about the role of white women in Nazi Germany. Uh, that's the role of white women in white supremacy is something that I've talked about quite a bit, but that's what uh, this specific book is about. Uh, I forgot the title of it, but he said it was very good, quite revealing, lots of, of uh, juicy details uh, just about what it means to be a white woman uh, in this system. But he had a lot of praise for that one. I'm not sure if there's an audio book. It might be that, you know, we would need uh, a narrator. Um, you know, for some of these books, unless it's the gift of uh, fear, 
But if we have folks that are interested in volunteering to narrate, that would be awesome. I am not a fan of narrating. I try to narrate once a year, no more, no less. Uh, I did read The Man Knot. I don't think that was this calendar year, but it was like right at the end of 2018, I think. So uh, I will read something this year, but I was hoping I could, you know, wait until closer to closer to the end of the year, like autumn, then I'll be ready to do some reading. But um, if we have any folks willing to narrate, drop an email until justice at gmail.com. If you have another book recommendation, you can do likewise. If it's a book uh, subject matter, I guess, since we got that too, uh, you can let us know. Uh, anything else workplace racism related? Hello, Gus. B in Toronto. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Um, thank you. There was one more thing that I wanted to add, um, in particular with uh, emails. Um, at times, um, there will be uh, attempts to um, to dissuade um, uh, non-white persons uh, from. Uh, Re- uh, requesting information in, or even requesting um, or, or having a, an inquiry, um, uh, um, an inquiry regarding uh, the situation, um, where um, uh, usually if it's a supervisor or a manager, they will uh, send an email uh, stating not to send um, any further emails or they'll say, oh, can you speak to me in person? Uh, because I, too, have had uh, that as well in the past. Um, so what I would do as a response is I would usually say, or I would usually write into the email um, that how the email will help me keep track as to uh, what situations have been um, discussed uh, to avoid either repetition or just showing some way of how using the email is is going to help you keep on track um, the information brought forth. Um, And that usually shuts down um, the manager or supervisor by requesting um, for you not to send emails. Um, When when you respond that it it helps you, uh, then then it usually helps as well. I hope that was clear. Absolutely. Absolutely. Productivity. They help me remain productive and informed. Love it. It's a shame that you have to, you know, justify something that would seem to be uh, so innocuous, an email. Like, why would that be a problem? It's the same thing. I think it was uh, Kizzy's cousin uh, where she reported it was a problem. Uh, with the email, like, why am I being CC and all these emails? Can we cut out all this foolishness? Like, do what? I thought you told me to be informed. You told me to make sure I'm it. Uh, I did miss uh, one <clears throat> email from last week. I do appreciate folks who take time to write in. And sometimes people are requesting suggestions. So I do try to make sure I include those. Uh, there must be an end to the terrorism I'm facing. And if anyone has any suggestions on how I can end it, I would appreciate it. Uh, I previously wrote about how I got demoted to the contact center for a few months. This week, I suspect both the white 
and black managers are behind this. I was the only one receiving calls. It was so bad that my white coworkers were able to watch Netflix on their cell phones for hours without notice. I'm the only one who is not allowed to have their cell phone out and the only one being monitored. I have to say both my white female manager and black male supervisor do not stop terrorizing me. If they aren't in my face blaming me for things I didn't do, then they are working behind the scenes, maximizing my workload to something that is impossible for me to contemplate. Granted, the whites at my job may order my black male supervisor to attack other black people. I'm not going to ignore his mistreatment towards me. There are times where he will come around and try to sabotage me or the other black woman woman in the office so he doesn't get in trouble. He will erase our notes, steal work off our desk or purposely give us incorrect information so we can mess up this abuse, uh, this abuse from both the black and white supervisor is nonstop all day and I need to know how to end this asking questions is not working at this point hmm. if wow let's see I'll try and go through if other folks have suggestions that is great as well I'll try and go through and pick out uh, specific things if <clears throat> a white person or a non-white person is coming through directly and stealing things I would uh, would immediately report that. I mean, if this this is sounding like you know this is happening, like you know the specific person that's doing this and they're doing it to other people, I would just go report that immediately. Uh, that theft is occurring. Are we is is that allowed? Like stealing property of other employees? Why isn't that being? <clears throat> this is the question I've got. Why isn't that being addressed? Particularly if it's interfering with work, like people are coming through and stealing uh, notes or erasing notes. Uh, if you know this person is doing this directly, white or non-white, I would just go report that person immediately. And then I would take notes on how that situation is dealt with, if they're doing anything about this. Uh, with the giving of incorrect information, that's another one that I would want to document. Uh, and I would be asking how, if it's he is getting this information from someplace else and then changing it so you all are getting false information or you're not getting all of the accurate information, I would go to whomever he, whomever is his boss, supervisor, and see what can we do. Is this something where wherever the information is coming from, can it go to multiple people? Just showing that this is consistently being a problem. That's what I would try to do with that one. That's kind of the same thing. I think it was Kizzy's cousin. She was supposed to be contacted about when the meetings were going to happen. She was not being notified. So instead of just relying on one person to get the notification, she uh, sent emails to additional whites so that she could get multiple notifications about when the meetings are going to happen. That way it can overcome if you have one person who is deliberately giving out incorrect information or withholding accurate information, if that makes sense. Uh, let's see. With, with all of the calls being routed at one spot, I would just go right if they're watching Netflix, if you can see that's what's happening. They're over on their phones, you know, oh, my goodness, that cookie is amazing. OK, I would immediately just stop, let the phones ring and just go get the supervisor. I'm not snitching. What I'm pointing out is the calls are being disproportionately routed. Is that the way this is supposed to operate where people have time, leisure time on the job? Like, I don't care if we all can do that. No problem. That's another thing. Is this consistent enforcement of policy and procedure? That's why Mr. Fuller talks about 14th Amendment. That's the way that it would be raised. 
Uh, is everybody allowed to be on their phone and all that? But that's, you know, secondary. The primary thing is, how is it that they have leisure time and all of the calls are being routed here? What can we do to permanently resolve this problem so I don't have to keep coming back and pointing out the disproportionality of this? Same thing, you're not accusing anyone either. If folks have any suggestions for uh, the calls, the theft of property, the incorrect information from white and non-white, uh, she has more. She says, my last issue is that I have to help another employee in the file room. I went in there and started working when I noticed someone watching me when I thought it was this white lady. When the white lady actually came in, she was wearing a different colored shirt than the person that was actually in there watching and following me. When I left the room, I realized it was the white male employee who was watching and following me. Now I have been having the same problems with quite a few white male employees and they all converse with each other about abusing me. My black female coworker once told me she walked into the cafeteria and all of a sudden they stopped talking while she was in there. They all keep on following me and watching me. I clearly do not like any of them, but this never stops. I had to leave work early a few days ago and I couldn't even leave in peace. They kept surrounding the area, pretending to look for things while grunting and clearing their throats as a way to get me to acknowledge them. I'm unsure, but whatever it is, it's just racism. I think, or at least the recommendation that I have given for this before, we've had uh, either the stalking and or white people uh, staring, anything like that. I think calling attention to them and with a question, do you need help? Robert, is there something I can help you with? Paul, do you need help with something? Just calling attention to them directly. They said, oh, okay. Again, we should all be functioning, whether this white person is following you or not. We should all be functioning as though we're under surveillance anyway. If this is more of a, you think this is a stalking issue, I would report that as such. And I would use that language uh, that there's something incorrect about this, uh, where every time that I make a move, if I go to leave, people are right there. I just find it hard to believe that every time I get up to go to the cafeteria or to go to the lavatory or go to leave the building, uh, that, you know, the same person, or it seems every time someone is right there trailing along the way, if you think that this is just stalking, but I would, before that, I would just try calling them out directly. Paul, do you need something? And see, you know, if that stops it, curtails it in any way. I think some other folks have, have talked about some similar uh, phenomena and just calling them out directly seem to stop some of that. Uh, let's see. And, and I would continue reporting, but I would report if this is having to be consistent with some of the same problems, I would put that in the report that you would like a permanent resolution so that you don't have to continue uh, making these reports. They don't have to con uh, continue to waste time and resources to interview and investigate to see the merit of these allegations or reports. Uh, we can get this problem solved permanently so we can all go back to being productive uh, employees. That's the sort of language uh, that I would use, but I would continue uh, to report and even encourage others to report because I think you said that this, uh, the, the stealing of items and things that was happening, that wasn't just you, that was other people. I would, again, talk to some of them and see, hey, get them to make a report as well, especially if, if you know exactly who's doing this. Oh, yeah, get them reported and, and they should be fired. I mean, are we tolerating theft in the workplace? What else are they allowed to steal? Uh, did anybody else, because this person was asking for suggestions, did anybody else have uh, suggestions uh, for 
female victim of racism who wrote in? Ah, oh, let's see. Some other folks with a hand up. Uh, did you have a suggestion, uh, caller? I guess you're on the vote line. Did you have a suggestion, or did you have your own situation that you wanted to share? Yes. Good. <clears throat> good afternoon. Good evening. Afternoon. I'm calling regarding the caller who stated that she had. A, um, disproportionate number of phone calls that she was forced to answer while others were watching entertainment or doing their nails or whatever the case was. But my suggestion is uh, take the calls. I wouldn't maybe not go to the supervisor manager who no doubt knows what's going on uh, with respect to their lack of productivity with the phones. So what I would suggest that she does is just take the call one by one. So the first call that you take, you give that client, that customer, your undivided attention, uh, give them the best possible customer service, And then when you've done your due diligence with that person, go to the next call. If that is, if that indeed can be done sequentially, if there are other phones ringing off the hook, uh, well, you still do the same thing. Just take one call, give the next call and have your smiling voice. So you're very polite to the client that you're talking to. And at the end of the day, your job is to give the best customer client service that you can, and that is indeed what customers uh, would drive business. What drives business anyway is how you treat an individual customer. You can't go around out of breath uh, grabbing four or five calls and at the same time giving effective customer service to clients. I think that may put an end to it. But that's certainly the way I think I would handle it, just one call at a time um, and not let it rattle you, but make sure that you are giving expert customer service one call at a time. And um, that's my suggestion. Hmm. Much obliged. Much obliged. Have to... uh... See how that one goes. I like that in terms of not allowing it to have you flustered and feeling like you have to rush through every phone call. You take your time. You give excellent service. And they should notice there's a delay. Phone calls are backing up. Why is that? I'm providing excellent customer service. There certainly are other representatives that some of these calls could be routed to. Yes. Still in the question lane. Uh, Other CDB. Miss any folks, any other folks with a hand up? The caller at 9817 should be with us uh, as well. If you had a suggestion uh, either on the caller who wrote in or what's been shared thus far. Hi, Gus. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, I, just, I, I didn't um, have um, advice for the particular caller, but I wanted to 
see if I could ask you a question and maybe get some advice about my current situation. Let's hear it. Okay. Um, I've called in before, and at my workplace, it's pretty much come down to that they have um, given me a notice of dismissal for non-disciplinary reasons. And basically, they're saying um, that I have, like, an opportunity to um, submit any other information that might change their mind. This is more so like a meeting. My question for you, I pretty much at this point feel that, you know, I'm going to be terminated, and it's pointless to, you know, even try to present any additional information because they're terminating me for non-disciplinary reasons. But at the same time, I'm kind of concerned how that may affect um, my ability to apply for unemployment because they may possibly say that, well, we extended her, you know, this opportunity to present additional information and, you know, she declined to come. And, you know, even though I know they haven't made up in their mind what they're going to do, I just kind of wanted some advice on how to um, maybe proceed with that. Um, and again, that's, I think, important to keep in mind as well, that under this system, uh, that racists can fire any of us anytime. The same thing with the uh, mail caller at the post office who was talking about the promotion. Last week, they said, oh, yeah, got a promotion for you. It's going to be great. New payroll. Awesome. And then they come back a week later. Oh, man, you know, that position closed up. I don't know what happened. Oh, well, we'll get the next one for you. We'll keep it. We got you. We got your back. We'll look out and get the next one. That is the system of racism, white supremacy. You don't even have to do anything incorrect. You can be doing great work and still no job for you. That said, um, hmm, I'm not sure how that would impact your unemployment because it's it's. I mean, if they're giving, they've already given you a notice of dismissal. Uh, I'm not sure how that would impact uh, unemployment, whether or not you choose to meet with them or not. Uh, and with regards to further employment and that sort of thing, I can understand that. I guess I think it's uh, generally, I think it's considered helpful uh, going through the proper protocol, I guess, in exiting. Uh, although in this uh, scenario, I can understand, you know, I mean, they've already made their decision. Like, it seems like a formality, like what's the purpose of this is what exactly? Um, are you getting paid? Like, is that, would you still be considered an employee? So would you be getting uh, compensated for the time for this meeting? You know, I don't think I would. Um, they initially put me on, I was put on paid leave, not for misconduct or anything like that, for about 30 days. So I, uh, during my leave, I was applying for different positions that, you know, within the company. And um, I interviewed for, I think, four or five of them. And, you know, they, which I knew a lot of the people, but I think that there were some, uh, there was some communication, obviously, with HR and some of the hiring managers. So um, you know, I was being paid, but um, my paid leave just, you know, it, it's up, it went up on the 20th. So yesterday was my last day of being, you know, uh, being paid. Hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah, I can understand. Like time and energy is valuable. Like I don't like I don't like wasting time uh, with folks to come and, you know, I'm supposed to go through some charade of presenting cause as to why I should be retained or, you know, whatever else is supposed to be said when you've already made your decision. Like I totally I totally get it, Uh, especially if you're not going to be compensated for that. Like if we got to go through this for an hour or 30 minutes, even five minutes, really. But uh, any of that time uh, and, you know, I already know what this is going to be and here's your box to clean out your belongings and blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, I would not, I would not be enthused about it. Uh, I can certainly understand not wanting to go. uh, If with just with regards for moving forward uh, and trying to minimize them saying, oh, well, she was unprofessional and she didn't even go through with the final meeting and that sort of thing. Like I said, with unemployment, I'm not sure. I could be in error. I mean, that that does vary and they might have some discretion there. Uh, Does anybody that's listening in, do you think if you choose not to participate in a meeting where they've already issued you a notice of dismissal for non-disciplinary reasons, uh, if you choose not to participate in this final meeting after your paid leave there has already uh, expired, do you think that would interfere with your unemployment if you choose not to attend? Does anybody think that might happen? No. Got one no. Yeah, I'm not an expert on unemployment. Yeah, not too sure about it. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to, you know, some, you know, feedback, you know, on if I, you know, should go. I And the only reason I was afraid how it might influence uh, unemployment is someone um, from human resources that, you know, they no longer are employed there said that this company really doesn't like play, uh, paying unemployment, you know, um, claims. So, you know, my concern is that, you know, they may contest it with uh, unemployment and then, you know, say, well, we gave this employee an opportunity to present additional information that might change this, this notice of um, dismissal. And, you know, she didn't, you know, you know, participate or, you know, I, they have all kinds of ways of, um, you know, navigating the, the system and, you know, you think you have everything, you know, all your I's dotted and T's crossed, but, you know, you end up not they find a way to, you know, deny you or come up with some kind of reason to um, not allow you to, you know, get your benefits. And that's that's the only reason why I'm concerned is due to what a f- former employee told me, how they really don't like to, um, you know, terminate. And if they do terminate, they really hate, you know, paying unemployment. So that's why I was thinking of just cooperating but knowing that not much is gonna going to come of this you know, meeting. Hmm. I guess. Can I be heard? Uh, I heard both of you. Uh, Stacy in the UK, uh, we'll get you first. Um, I'll be quick. Um, I guess my advice would be is if you're in doubt, and I think you're quite right in that there are times when companies are very shrewd and they know what the legal all the legal avenues are um, and ways in which they can manipulate the system. So in as much as it was not a good use of your time because it's unlikely to change the decision, 
if it means that you can avoid any problems in the future, then actually being there for an hour will hopefully reduce lots of other problems in the future. I wouldn't necessarily waste time trying to build a case to present back to them. Maybe just go with a list of questions, use it as an opportunity for you to get more information out of them. For example, if you've had all of those interviews and they have not fired you, I don't know if you've received feedback from those hiring managers that you were suggesting that there was perhaps some unjust networking going on. I would use that as a way of putting them on the spot and asking them for information about why you were terminated and why you weren't offered any other positions and that way you can use that should you be questioned about your benefit in the future. Oh, uh, now I'll meet my line, Gus. <clears throat> Much obliged, Stacy in the UK. Always appreciate a chance to ask questions. Uh, our other caller, uh, did you have uh, suggestions or, or thoughts? If, if, if there, if there is yes, um, I was going to tell her, uh, I think that she should uh, you go ahead and go to the meeting because as she stated, um, you know, you never know. They may be able to use that against her, her um, regarding her unemployment insurance. Um, I had um, issues with getting my uh, unemployment at uh, one point. Um, so uh, being that she's in doubt, I would suggest just to show up. Um, you already know what the outcome is going to be. Your reason for showing up is just to show that you did, you were there um, and ask questions like Stacy stated. But I would also give a suggestion um, to possibly um, visit your unemployment office and see if you can talk to um, someone and run the scenario by them and um, ask them questions um, regarding your uh, situation and what can or cannot um, be done. Not sure if they're going to be able to have um, answers for you, but it wouldn't hurt to try. If you can't go there, you can always uh, give them a call and just see if you can talk to one of the representatives to see if they can give you some more information as to um, the outcome. Um, if you, you know whether you should show up at that meeting or not, and um, that's all I have to add. I think we had one more caller uh, who had uh, thought to share on this one. Can I just say real quickly? Um, I think, <clears throat> given your 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 temperament, from is the way I'm hearing you and your state of mind, I would suggest you go to the meeting. I probably wouldn't, but I think you should go because oftentimes <clears throat> there are things that you really don't want to hear. Um, they may have suggestions. They may have recommendations. They may say things that you don't like, but some of it may be instructive. Some of it may be constructive going forward. If you can get information that will possibly help you to learn more about yourself, if you can be open-minded open in that way, uh, take notes. Um, and I think someone suggested that you write a list of questions that you may have and ex experience it as a growing opportunity. 
And I also, with regards to unemployment, that's a legal issue. I mean, they, um, they're taking money out of your check, uh, in most cases, uh, for unemployment. I don't see that as the primary issue. I like uh, the former uh, caller's recommendation that maybe you should make a visit to the unemployment office uh, and find out what are your rights. But I, I, can, I know it as a legal matter, not uh, this legislation. It's not something they can arbitrarily decide on. So I like to know on which grounds they can deny you your unemployment. That being said, I wish you the very best and, and courage. Much obliged. Um... Oh, wow. That is crazy. Well, uh, <laughs> did any folks have a, a final uh, thought or, or comment? Um, the female caller again. Uh, I know it is difficult. It is designed to be so. I've said for years that is uh, certainly not the most joyous thing to call in and, and talk about uh, how to deal with uh, dismissal. But that is, you know, how the system is designed. Uh, exactly that for black people uh, to not get all the cool promotions and wonderful things that happen uh, at work to just be mistreated and abused that is a part of the design for racism can happen to any of us regardless of uh, how talented brilliant skilled hardworking we are uh did ma'am did you have any uh thing else that you wanted to add no that no that was it um all of the callers were were really helpful and um i'm just going to go ahead and you know, go through with it as a as a formality, and just continue to you know take take your advice. But you know, as you as you had mentioned, you know, no matter how smart or how brilliant you are, uh, regardless of evaluations, you know, that that's just how the system is set up. And the more that we learn and know how it's supposed to be, uh, the better we're able to cope. Thank you, Gus. For sure. I definitely think getting information uh, from the unemployment office, uh, it might be, be something that you can look at online to see. Uh, but if you if it's easy, uh, convenient enough to go to the office directly and uh, check it out or to call, that might be something that you can uh, call them about also. Uh, but I think that's uh, definitely uh, a good step uh, to get that information before the meeting uh, so that you can be a little more confident uh, knowing what your rights are and, and being more informed on that front. Uh, with that, uh, we did three hours and some, uh, hopefully, uh, constructive information, uh, worthy of your Friday evening, uh, I guess Saturday morning for Stacy. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific compensatory calling. We'll catch up on what has gone down the last week or so, uh, tune in. Uh, we'll look forward to sharing once again. Uh, sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism with all of the terrorism and violence, uh, sexual violence, even that we experience in the workplace. Uh, often it can be really easy to turn to uh, drinking or whatever other narcotics uh, to try to distance from all of that pain and trauma. Generally, that does not help. In fact, it can, as I stated, produce a lot of new problems. It generally would be best. Let's preserve our brain computer so that we can come up with fantastic solutions, permanent resolutions to our problem, white supremacy, 
racism. In addition to being sober, let's be buckled up every time we are in a vehicle, passenger or driver. Let us stay off the cell phones as well. Anything we can do to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That's it. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. Uh, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.